11 o'clock comics episode 52 Gusto. I'm gonna change it up next year. I'm gonna change it up for the Yeah, I don't boo. Boo woo. I don't boo ya. I don't like anything. Wow. Yeah, no. Alright, we got lots to do, so. We got your cubby crackle right here. Hello, people. It's Vince B, and this is 11 O'Clock Comics. Does anybody, I'm sorry, I, does anybody else hear, like, the little, oh, it's gone now. There was, like, a helicopter in the background or something. That's my, yeah, there it is my, my okay. HO scale army is going oh. to attack you. It's the black helicopters. <laughs> they, they, know, they know that we've gotten to a year, so they, 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 they can't, sent, I can't believe it. They've sent them in. I think that's so. the, fifth, the fifth plague, right? Our, our show getting to a year? So we're, we're, we're yeah. soon to the end of days. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm Christopher Neesman, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm here, still, <laughs> still sweating it out in the dugout. <laughs> uh, I'm David Price, and and can't believe we made it past 33. After you pulled yeah. the plug, you freaking selfish prick. <laughs> After what? <laughs> the, the truth comes out. The gloves come off. <laughs> If, if Wait, speak I missed this. that. After what? <laughs> After you pulled the plug, I, you, yeah. you, you you just came to me. You said I had enough, man. It's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I got to do right. Marvel noise. I got to be myself. Okay. I got Derek knocking on my door, offering me huge amounts <laughs> of money to do this keep, Marvel noise thing. To keep me down, man. <laughs> oh shit! And uh, last but uh, but least as well, I am Han Solo. No, you're not. You're not. You're Susan Boyle. I love. <laughs> I, I am the Susan Boyle of Eleven O'clock Comics. Oh, that good, woman good for Susan Boyle. Uh, that, you know, that was, that, I, that, 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 one of the very few viral things on the internet that just made me smile and say, you know what? Yeah, that was a good message, and I felt really good after watching yeah, that. It's it's so. hard to not to watch that and have part of you, part of that wall that we all throw up melt just a little bit. Mm-hmm. God bless her. I'd love to give that woman. You know, friggin' Simon should have did something out of the ordinary and like went up there and hugged her or something or just, you know, cause he's so freaking deadpan all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, they're British. Yeah, that's true. So, right. No, you're not, um, Han Solo. You're Jason Wood. And, and we're here. This is a year, uh, probably what will be Tom Cater's favorite episode of our show to date. The, the episode where we all answer your questions. <laughs> that you uh, dropped on our wonderful forum at uh, forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or www.11o'clockcomics.com. Uh, we will be acting as midwives this show, in essence, ushering in the offspring of your pregnant questions. That's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're giving birth God, to these I babies. already feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> 
We yes. haven't even started. We, hey, we're we we're got... all looking at your vajayjays or whatever oh, they call God. it. Here we go. <laughs> hey, I know that we got a lot to do, so let's knock the, the drink roll call out uh, real yeah. quick. Uh, Mr. Wood. Had to have a special drink for a special night, so I'm drinking a hole-in-one. Huh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let the jokes uh, let the jokes go. Uh, it, since I had some Johnny Walker from a few weeks ago, I decided to make another drink with Johnny Walker. Uh, so a, a hole-in-one is uh, a couple shots of Johnny Walker. Uh, fill the rest of the glass with uh, iced tea. Put some honey in there and a little bit of lemon. Shake and enjoy. It's a, a really refreshing uh, summer drink. And even though it's not the summer yet, I damn sure wish it was. So I am enjoying that. Yeah, that Very sounds nice. like a golfer's drink, big time. Absolutely. That's uh, yeah, uh, uh, red or red or black. Uh, it's red, actually. Red. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have any idea what we're talking about, Vince? All I know is that Jason's hole is red. <laughs> and his heart, and, it, and his heart is black. Uh, Mr. Price, what are you sipping on? Uh, I am having some Captain Morgan private stock, and uh, and a little bit of Coke. David's got a little bit of the Captain in him tonight. I do. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of holes, that's right, baby. You see in the theme already? I am, Mr. B. I am drinking black and tan, which you just love in your hole. I do. And in honor of the dude that sang our uh, intro song, all I got to say is, somebody. It's the Ramones, by Something the way. Something in my dream. Uh, Rest in peace. Um, I've, got, I've gone back to uh, one of my uh, uh, my favorites from the last uh, year, and that is the Great Lakes Brewing Company's Edmund Fitzgerald. So um, I, I think uh, um, any beer that's about a sinking ship was uh, probably a good one to roll out for for our, our first year anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, so, so uh, Vance, my request is that, is that you play uh, you play a little Gordon Lightfoot. No, nah, I already got it set up. Maybe oh, I'll throw on. it. Maybe I'll throw it in the middle. So, hear that, people? I can't even put in a musical request. I, I gotta, you know, Gordon Lightfoot or the Ramones. I don't know. That's a tough call. But uh, Gordon, I think... Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> no, not <laughs> even on. close. No, no. Actually, yeah, yeah. I'm not a guy. In a, huh? Uh, sorry, different story. All right, let's. I, we gotta watch. Oh, I'm drinking a. Uh, yeah, that. So let's go. Questions. Yeah. Well, what are you drinking? You didn't say, did you? Yeah, I'm drinking the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, that's right. You're on the Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Question number one from our forum comes from Mr. Blazefire33, who will try to make these good. He asks, if each of you had the chance to reinvent one character or story from any comic book, which would you choose? That's his first question, and we'll move on after we've all answered this. David, why don't you start No, 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 I'm not. I'm not starting it off. All right, I'll make it easy, simple. Uh, I would definitely go back in time to Hulk, what is it, 181, 182, 181, and and have the Hulk beat the pulp out of Wolverine to the point where he could not regenerate anymore. There we go. We're starting yeah. off on a very bad foot. Yeah, be, no, if there's one character that has oh, don't, don't, don't benefit. Wood, I've got one later that's going to melt Vince's brain, so okay. don't worry. If there's one character that I believe has has benefited Marvel and also dragged them down at the same time, it's Wolverine. Oy. And I'm, i got to be honest. You know, that's what I'm about, honesty. I appreciate the honesty. You're dead wrong, but I appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> I, you know, I'm probably as wrong as Renee. With the Batman shit. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. Batman, it's all about Batman. I don't oh. think so. You're cute, honey, but you're wrong. 
<laughs> the heat is the heat. Didn't take us long at all to get off track. Now did it? No. So let's now we should follow the same format for each question. Okay. All right. The person who reads them, you know, we'll go in order of the way we introduce ourselves in the sh- in the beginning. Me, Chris, David, and Wood. So if you read the question, it will go to the next person in line. That's right then. And David busted it up by. Oh, so I got I got to go to the. But I you, go to but the, no, no, I didn't I have because you you answered you you said the question, dude. Oh, that's right. See, my so math Chris is not good. Would have. I'm a oh. terrible midwife. Terrible. That's all right. It's your first question. Don't worry about okay, well, it. It's, well, well, we'll get the kicks out. Repeat the question for me. Really. If each of you had the chance to reinvent one character or story from any comic book, which would you choose? Reinvent a character. Reinvent, reinvent. A character. or story. Uh-huh. You could change the ending to a story. story. Or not. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, I got one. because I, I, I didn't I didn't prepare for this. I figured it'd be better to be off the cuff. Stunned. Uh, <laughs> I'll say um, I'll go with a re- something recent. I, I think I would have much preferred to have uh, Secret Invasion go the way I thought it was going to go and have the uh, Beyonder be behind it, and it be like Secret Wars three. That would be badass. That's so. a good. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. Yep. And can I make an addition to mine? Go sure. Crazy. Yes, I would have. N- I would never have had Peter reveal his identity in Civil War. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I would. Uh... I would not have Ted Gord go out the way he went. Yeah, like I don't know. That was pretty poignant, though. No, nah, but it was it. it, it I don't know. I mean, it was a whole how many, issue, and it's like, oh yeah, look at Ted Gord kicking ass, and oh right. Damn. But how many times have we seen the death of a a C lister to start off an event, or you know, in this issue somebody just, dies, just, and it's I like just, I just you know, want more Ted Gord, Black Condor. Who cares? Yeah. I, well, I just I just want more Ted Cord without having to dig out my Len Wayne, Paris Collins, Bruce Patterson issues. Yeah. Well, you never know. We may see Ted again. If we see Barry, we could see Ted again. That's true. Well, but see, Barry was in the Speed Force. Yeah, it's comics. Anything's possible. All right. Yeah. Fine. Ruin mine. Go ahead. I didn't ruin yours. That's a that's sure. a good answer. It shows your heart, buddy. And that's my answer to one of the questions coming up. So let's let's not elude. Well, when it asks what you have for dinner, I don't... Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, Chris, did you answer? No, uh, No, I mean, that, that's such a hard one because you either have to go back and say, I want this uh, classic, iconic character reinvented, which happens a lot anyway, or you have to kind of find something fairly recent and say, I didn't think it was handled how I would have personally liked to have seen it. So it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a hard question. Um, I loved Alpha Flight growing up, and it just seems like that got to a point where uh, they couldn't take it any farther, or it wasn't a you know, it, it just lost a lot of steam. And it's they've tried to relaunch it a couple times, but it just never seems to uh, to to get any traction to it. I would love to see Alpha Flight kind of. Um, reinvented from the ground up and I, and I think you do that you know I, I, I don't know how you do it but I, I'd like to see him take another shot at, at Alpha Flight so wouldn't it be cool if Byrne buried the hatchet and did it himself yeah. I think I know who he wants to bury it into though uh, you know I, I'd actually uh, there's so many good Canadian creators out there I'd like to see I would like to see that a book about Canadians by Canadians, um, you know uh, Jeff Lemire. Do <laughs> oh sweet, 
you know it's yeah. you know it, 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 but yeah you know some you know Cameron Stewart or um god there's a, a t- Carl Kershaw you know whoever uh, I would like to see some create uh some uh Canadian creators kind of grab onto that and say yeah this is our superhero group and we're going to do some kickass stories so yeah. you know Jay, Jay Torres and and Ramon Perez do a kickass um Alpha Flight series so or, or maybe Dave Sim t- uh taking a <laughs> shot at the Birds of Prey that would be really cool, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> be a lot of heat in that. Yeah, really. All right. Number two from Blazefire33. At the New York City Comic Con, the guy next to me during the DC Nation panel yelled out that the Blue Beetle was a done in one for the majority of its run. This after someone asked why there were no more of them. My revised question is this. Would a return to done in one stories be more appealing or would you prefer the story arc format we presently receive i i personally would like to see a bunch of done in ones not for everything uh, you know but then again it's incredibly difficult to do a convincing done in one you got to be top notch stretching something out for six issues is easy to do a compelling story in 22 pages that's that takes a pro to do that Mm -hmm. so I, i thought about this question and are we, are we going in in this order again? The first one will right? be first one will be free form. Do whatever you want. Okay, That's what they're, they're um, about. It, it should be as many um, pages, issues, chapters, whatever, as it takes to tell a good story. If that mm-hmm. is twenty two pages and it's a one and done story, fantastic. If it's a uh, four hundred issue epic that you you need to read every part or like today was the wrap up of 100 bullets that was 100 issues that told an amazing epic story if it takes that then that's fine if you can do it in 8 pages do it in 8 pages so what i care about is telling good entertaining stories at whatever length it takes them to so one and done sure that's fine if they tell good entertaining stories but then again if the format is open as it is now, mm-hmm. if a writer has the luxury of stretching out his storyline, he's going to do it. Like, so, you, is that it, a bad thing? It leads to having the Avengers sit around and watch television. Well, don't buy that then. No, what I'm just saying, if the, if, if <clears throat> that, the ability that, that to go... Happen. Yeah, to, but what, what did I say? I said good, entertaining stories. And if uh, people are, are abusing the format to say, I want to... I want to recreate the west wing with with capes and cows mm-hmm. then then that's not good and entertaining that's you right. know and that was my point so no do whatever length it is to make them good and entertaining stories yep jason uh chris has the exact same answer i just think that uh, i just don't want to see formulaic the industry is becoming too formulaic uh everything is driven by the trade which i understand but uh um, I, I wouldn't want an industry that was all one-shots. That'd get kind of boring. Or, you know, yeah. some of the best stories ever have been epics, but um, I think Chris hit the nail on the head. I just like it to be whatever it needs to be and not have writers sit down and think, okay, I have an idea and I have to fit it into four, five, or six issues because that's what the trade needs to be. So, You know, but I am seeing a little bit of uh, of them figuring out how to do it, or maybe we're just figuring out that they figured out how to do it. Uh, I just got the the first Miss Marvel trade today, and the first story in that is a fantastic one shot that was like a Miss Marvel special or or something that uh, was a, a, a standalone one and done story that kind of kicks the series off. So you know you can put out a trade with six one and done stories in it, mm-hmm. 
So yeah. you know, they did it with Iron Fist. There's a lot of writers out there that could benefit from taking a look at what Gray and Palmiotti are doing on Jonah Hex. Even yep. though you know we don't want the industry to be all done in one, those guys have it nailed. Mm-hmm. David, how about you? I would like to see more uh, more done in ones. I, I like you know. I mean, it could either be just uh, a day in the life stories. It could be a breather between arcs where a lot of shit just happened or it's about to happen. It's uh, it's it's somewhat refreshing. And if um, if you're on Twitter and reading some of the uh, the tweets that like Joe Casada and, and CB Sabolsky have, have, have updated, you know, when you're trying out, when you're trying to get a foot in the door at a publisher, they want to read a quick done in one style story. So it's something that you're going to have to kind of learn, even if you want to get looked at. So it's something that should be practiced. You shouldn't just constantly be writing for the trade, write these six, five, six issue sprawling arcs. You're right. Okay. And then again, like Chris said, you can have a bunch of done and ones that link uh, to a larger structure. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. You, you you can do a one and done detective comic story, or you can do service. You know, or, whatever or, whatever it takes. And then throw it in the toilet at, in the last twenty issues. Okay. <laughs> it is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the price point, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. Give me the microphone, you fucking cocksucker. You want this, don't you? Take your iPod. Strike me down with all of your anger. Subscribe to iFanboy, and your journey to the dark side will be complete. Put the bourbon back in the box. I said, put the bourbon back in the box. My dear girl, there are some things that are just not done. Drinking Canadian whiskey is one of them. It'll be like listening to I Fanboy without earmuffs. Note to self, stop leaving movie-orientated hotline messages and get on with your day. Becoming a little obsessed now. Uh, Scrap the Die Hard one. Um, The Back to the Future one was poor. Stop trying to outdo Jaws, and uh, yeah, just you know, crack on. Anyway, happy birthday to you! Many happy returns, fellas, and uh, speak to you at some point. Bye bye. This is from our buddy Zach Crucy. Uh, hopefully these are not lame questions. I'm sure they are, Zach. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, name an up-and-coming artist or writer who you think is going to make a big splash in comics over the next three to five, roughly, years, and uh, what you would like to see them on. Um, so, uh, David? I have I have two, and I'm kicking ass. I'm kissing ass. Ooh. You're doing both. Uh, one is... One is <laughs> I rule this question. I, one is... One is uh, as far as writing is is Pat Loika. Uh he has I see him on something Marvel related, something kind of like like the the Modox Eleven mini, something that it, that that could be used with with C listers or D listers, where you know something zany will happen. Um, but I think he's got a real good handle on on those types of characters, especially the villains, and uh, and I would love to see. Dave Wackler on Daredevil. Oh, there you go. 
I mean, aside from from it being one of his favorite characters, it, it Dave has a knack for drawing like fabrics and textures, and you'd have the lawyers in their suits. You'd have the type of clients that Matt and Foggy would meet wearing standard. It it, it seems to be a a book that is catered to a lot of Dave's strengths. You took one of my answers. Sorry, yeah, you, me too. Me too. Right. Jason. Uh, well, I was going to say Dave Wachter, uh, for, for sure. His art's crazy, crazy good. Um, and another one, keeping in the family, uh, Steve Bryant. Uh, Steve's one of the hardest working guys I know. Uh, I think he is, uh, made to tell great pulpy stories. He, his roots, his, the guys he worships need to, we need more guys doing artwork like that, like Dave Stevens and the like. And, uh, I would just love to see him carry the torch with, uh, you know, a, a, a well-received, good-selling, you know, book that harkens back to that that pulp adventure era. Uh, so, th- I was going to say that in Wacker. So I'll just hand it off to uh, to Vince. Yeah, you took another one of my answers. <laughs> there you go. I have a, a fairly long list. Great. Um, one of the guys, the, the first um, artist on the list, is chewing up things right now, and he's only going to get bigger. Kenneth Ruckefort. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think he's got a very unique style. I saw the cover to, what is it, The um, Amazing Adventures? Is that what Astonishing he's Astonishing Tales? Astonishing Tales. And those covers just jump right off the rack. Yeah, he did um, Red Mask Mars as well. He, he's awesome. I, I love his stuff. Um, Tom Fowler from Mysterious oh, the Unfathomable. He is. Mine. He's going <laughs> to blow the hell up. Uh, uh, I hope so. I don't know, man. That's the that's a, a lot of people I think are going to look at that and go, "Ooh, that looks like Mad Comics or Mad oh. Magazine." You know, I love God, I love his stuff. Though. Me too. On the indie side, um, CF he goes by C period F period from Picture Box. He's going to be huge in, in indie circles. He did Power Masters, two volumes of that. Uh, just uh, it's very surreal. Uh, check out his stuff. Go to the Picture Box website. You can you can see uh, examples of his. And um, Theo Ellsworth, he recently put out a graphic novel called Capacity from a company called Secret Acres. This guy is very unique. Really dreamlike, uh, a, a dreamlike quality to his images. He uh, he sees beyond the page, and you'll understand what I mean if you ever see his work. It's a hodgepodge of different styles. It's ultra detailed, but it's still very, very w- much within the realm of the indies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. And then I was going to say Wachter and <laughs> Mr. Bryant, who was probably born to draw the Green Hornet. Yeah, absolutely. What, that's what I'm going to say. Absolutely. His spec yeah. art was great. Did you all? Mm-hmm. Did you all see? Uh, uh, I'm flaunting my commission. Did you all see the uh, Rocketeer commission I got? Oh, absolutely me? gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm looking at it right now. He did him bang up job on it. Steve's awesome. Um, uh, one guy uh, that we've raved about before who I think is becoming more well-known, but I think he is on the verge of of blowing up right now. I hope so because he is uh, incredible, and that's Marcos Martin. Uh, I hope he becomes one of the, the household name uh, artists in the in the very near future. I, just, I love, love, love his stuff. Um Another guy that is known more for his painted work, but uh, seeing some of his uh, more traditional uh, pencil and, and, and ink work is Paolo Rivera. If you guys read mm. the uh, 
the Wolverine Spider-Man story. I think it was in one of the Spider-Man extras. Am I right, mm-hmm. David? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was nice to see Paolo Rivera do some do some some work that wasn't painted. I absolutely love his painted work, but this was this was pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, last one is a guy that we talked about uh, who did the the Heathen Town. Uh, <laughs> Uh, book and is now doing some amazing, uh, not backup stories, but uh, flashback stories in Agents of Atlas, and that's uh, Gabe Hardman. Mm-hmm. And so those are that that that's a trifecta there of guys that I hope and expect, hopefully, to blow up in the next in the next few years. They're awesome. And and the fact that Paul Pelletier hasn't blown up is sad. It's, yeah, it is. It's it's a fucking crime. Yeah. He may not have blown up, but he's blown my mind. Oh, yeah. Is he one of the young guns? <laughs> I hope. Uh, <laughs> Back when he was doing ex-mutants for Malibu. Because, yeah, and there's there's two old-timers that I would really like to see, Paul Pelletier and Tom Grummet. I want to see Tom Grummet become a household name. Yeah, Tom Grummet's awesome. And, and speaking of writers, and they're tied to um, um, uh, Pelletier, is um, uh, Abnett and Lanning, oh. guys that are doing some of the best work in comics right now. And, you know, I, I, I have this mental image of them, like, toiling away in Marvel Cosmic, and I don't want them to leave because Marvel Cosmic's the best it's been in, like, maybe ever. <laughs> it's it's yep. so good. Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that... I hope that they can blow up without having to leave the the arena of of Marvel's really awesome sci-fi stuff. I hope that I hope that fans go to them because they're doing some of the best work, uh, not just at Marvel but in in superhero genre comics. Period. I, I love everything they're doing. DC had them too on the Legion. They let them go. You're right. Yeah. Oh, wow. so, uh, oh, second question. Uh, beer and liquor being an essential part of the show, what is the worst drink or drink concoction oh. you have ever had? So thank you, Mr. Zach Krusey. Uh I think we all uh, – David, do you share this story? I do share this story. Me, uh, you, <laughs> Sal, I think Pat, I think uh, Vince Wacker watched, been, maybe Wacker Dan, maybe Paper Cut. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't doing any of that shit. No, no, you <laughs> didn't, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go, Chris. Go, go ahead. Oh, um, you probably tell the story much better than than I can. Uh, I'll, I'll embellish a little bit. It, it has to do with Paul Jenkins, the fucker. Yeah, a writer that that I want to see back in comics. I think he's doing some movie stuff, but I miss Paul Jenkins stuff. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, it was Wizard World Chicago, two thousand six, yep. and we're at a booth, and this was uh, this was probably before Sal professed his love and wanting to marry the man, but. Um, <laughs> He ordered us uh, cement mixers, which contains Baileys and oh, what was what what, what was the liquor it's part a, of it? It's I want to say it's like it's I'm gonna get this all wrong, but it's like Baileys, Irish whiskey, and like lime juice. Yes, because it's the lime juice that curdles the cream. Mm-hmm. So 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 you swig the shot, and then you, without swallowing it, you shake the your finger. head. And then swallow, and it is the nastiest fucking thing it's vile. It's you ever vile. want to swallow. He he did it to me. I don't know about that. It was yeah. Vile. It's not good. I've I've had them, and they're not good. I I, I, I would say it's the worst shot I've ever had. Oh, well, it's, it's mine. So it was, it was, fair it was, enough. It was terrible. Uh, mine would definitely be a prairie fire. When I turned twenty-one, I did the obligatory. Uh, everybody buy a twenty-one shots in the night. And 
<laughs> probably in, toward the tail end there, uh, they saddled up and gave me a prairie fire, which for those that don't know, it's, uh, there are lots of different ways to make it, but in, the, in this instance, it was tequila and Tabasco sauce, equal parts. Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> oh. It oh, was, well, that sounds good. Uh, it was as bad as you might imagine, and and that's and with amazing. fifteen or sixteen other shots in my stomach already. Let's just say that uh, I'm not welcome back in that bar anytime soon. <laughs> see, see, I would drink those. Wow, yeah, because oh. I even with my food, I love my food super spicy. Wow. If, if if I sweat when I eat it, it's just right. Awesome. Yeah. Have fun. Cool. <laughs> um, I see. I'm not a, a worldly drinker, so I just drink beer and. Uh, I don't know. I I guess the worst drink I've ever had was back when I was maybe seven years old. I slept over at my buddy's house. And, you know, when you're seven, you take baths with people. So his mother's given us a bath before we go to bed, and the guy peed in the bathtub and hit me in the face. So I guess that's the worst thing I've ever had in my mouth. Hilarious. Yeah. He said, I, I, his mother said, do you have to pee? And he's, oh, man, I'm going to save it for the tub. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Save it for the tub. Yeah, and I got. I can see it in the show notes. Vince recounts the story of a seven-year-old peeing in his mouth. And he peed in my face. Shower. Yeah. So I got a little bit of golden shower at seven years old. It was awesome. And I haven't been able to shake it since, man. You've been a freak ever since. That's right. Freaky. Freak in the bed. All right. The next question will be read by Mr. Uh, Mr. David. Yes, this yes. is by Jacob Welch. Jacob. Here goes, number one. If either Marvel or DC were to do a Top Cow-style pilot season with existing underused characters or concepts, what titles and creators would you like to see? Take it away. Ah, boy. Um, a Top Cow-style pilot season. So that means the books aren't actually ever going to come out? Oh, there's, there's absolutely Sorry, no need for that. <laughs> yeah, there's need. There's need for this show. Okay. No. Uh, well, first, let's say uh, Devil Dinosaur, because that'd be awesome. <laughs> Give him a chubby. And look at it. Uh, that'd be Marvel. Um, I'd also, I would think it would be cool to. Yeah, I've who always, would you like to see do it? Ooh, um, the Ghost of Jack Kirby. No, um, he could still draw better. You know what? Actually, I think else. Jeff Parker would be pretty happy with that. I could see him doing that. Um, Can I make a suggestion? Go ahead. Devil, for Devil Dinosaur, Steve Bissett, pull his ass out of teaching whatever he's doing and get yeah. him to draw. That would be great. Sure, sure. Uh, another one I'd love to see. <laughs> great, Great Lakes Avengers. I, I mean, they uh, you know they've always been a, a parody, but uh, I've always had a soft spot for them. I'd love to see see them as a. I don't know, something like a 12-issue maxi-series or something like that. And um, uh, it'd have to be someone that was pretty funny to that. I'd love to, you know, it'd be great to see Keith Giffen try his hand at that. I could see him doing something fun with that. Yeah. Uh, on the DC side, hmm, let's say... You know what? Actually, two things. I'd love to see um, Plastic Man come back and have a series. And I actually have always liked Aquaman and would love to see someone take a real go at Aquaman. Rick Feach. Well... <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to you if that's your choice. But, uh, yeah, those will be my picks. Nice. I guess I'll kick one out. Um, Marvel, I would like to see. Hmm, that's a really good question. An underused Marvel character. Is there such a thing exist? Yes. Um, sure. How about a Shang-Chi miniseries? There you mm. go. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of hard not to lapse into nostalgia when you, when you answer a question like this. Because for the DC, I would like to see a Blue Devil miniseries drawn by Paris Collins. Oof. 
you know, I mean, or, this is really this is really like the first question that we had. It's like, yeah. you know, reimagine or you know recreate a character. And that's what that's what the you know the pilot season would be for for Marvel or DC. So yeah. it's really get, kind of, get Kyle Baker back on the Shadow or um, Veach back on Aquaman. Just uh, yeah, there's a, a million of them, but I none of them are just immediately pop bubbling to the surface right now. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it is it you? Dennis? No, no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'd like to see Marvel um, go back to their to their monsters again. Um, and they tried to a couple of years ago with the, the Legion of Monster stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like uh, you know, Morbius would be cool, or um, you know, Brother Voodoo um, would be yeah. you know, would yeah. be kind of neat. But uh, yeah, you know, Man Thing. I'd I'd like to see them. You know, really have a you know a concerted effort to uh to get back to their um their awesome horror legacy that they that they have because there's some fantastic um you know creepy you know creepy properties that they can that they can um use so yeah it's i'd like to see them you know go back to the monsters and somehow lure back mike plug Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah he's working with um simon bisley and those guys over at that what's that name of the company that he's working with they they're doing horror themed comics now i forget the company oh, that's cool. that's the, yeah. this was awesome. sal yeah sal turned me on to him uh, a couple years ago and i was like holy shit this guy's pretty good yeah this hmm. great david uh for marvel uh super boxers no uh it's a um <laughs> it's it's from the uh it's from the epic line it's from the uh oh actually well no it's not it's not one you're thinking of but it's um it's the creator owned epic line the heavy hitters uh saxon violence Wow, and uh, and the DC side, uh, Wild Dog by uh, Collins and Beatty. Nice, David. Oh, you know what? I'll throw. Can I throw one in for your heavy hitters? Yes, Law Dog. Henry. Yes, oh, Law Dog. Yeah. Henry. Yep. Love it. I, I want to amend mine now, but I won't. No, I, go I, ahead. We got I, lots I did, of time. I did, okay. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll talk about it later. But I would love, love. Love to see a return of Alien Legion done. Oh. Really Actually, wait, wait. Is it, yes. Is Dark Horse reprinting Dark, the Archives? Right. Dark, I guess Checker, was it Checker that published the yeah. collections? Yeah. Dark, I guess they lost it, and now Dark Horse is publishing Omnibus style. Really? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Oh, really? I don't think so, but don't quote me. We'll find out but soon enough. That book needs to be in color. In color it do. But, yes, it um, does. I agree. I, I want to see someone come back and do a modern comics version of Alien Legion because I, I love that book and it still holds up pretty darn well. Yeah. Uh, I I ordered one of the checker trades of the like the first six issues and it's still good. And yeah. um, if you if you're a sci-fi fan and you haven't read Alien Legion, seek it out because it was. God, it was so good. Frank Sirocco. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it will be. It's 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 part of their omnibus line. So it's the smaller size, twenty five bucks for uh, three hundred and fifty two pages, full color. Nice. So there you go. I'm there. That's Jugger, that's a that's a guaranteed Jugger Grimrod. Versus, Jugger Grimrod versus Wolverine. Jugger Grimrod. Jugger Grimrod was cooler than Wolverine before he 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 was cool before Logan knew what cool was. That's right. That's right. Miko was my favorite. When when Dakin was just a uh, twinkle in his eye, <laughs> oh Dude, Christ! That uh, I I always uh, I always liked um, um, oh uh, uh, the the serpent the um, 
Oh gosh, what was his name? Um, oh, um, the captain. Zor- yeah. Shit! Now you're killing me. Well, Tor- Tori was the um, was like the the human field commander guy, but um, I've been reading too much uh, Green Lantern. Oh, I'll, I'll take. A look. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like Sarek or something like that. Um, Question number two. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I thought Chris was done. That's why. It's just I'm not. I don't mean to cut him off. Do it. If it were possible in time and space, what big two character or book would you like to see the following artists draw on a monthly basis? Robert Williams, Art Spiegelman, S. Clay Wilson, and Fletcher Hanks. Wow, that is awesome. That's an well, that, awesome that, question. That's a, Vin, that's a Vince question, so I'm going to yeah, go uh, get a bottle of <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to pass on this one. I, I, can't, I can't say. Uh, I, you know, the first one, Robert Williams, immediately I think of one character. And it's, it's only because of his style being akin to the dude that made this character popular. And I'm talking about Steve Ditko. Can you imagine a Robert Williams Doctor Strange? That would be yeah. out of the, off the chain with, with, uh, because, you know, in the memory. it's right. Ditko has that crazy multi-dimensional like worlds within world style where it seems like there's different layers of reality just being plopped on yeah, top of one another right. and, and if you look at a robert williams painting there's a lot of crazy shit going on on different yeah. different planes and that that'd be cool i don't know art spiegelman david what do you think oh god um art spiegelman would do a good commissioner gordon miniseries yeah yeah definitely or even uh ben urich yeah, some kind of introspective type thing. Where yeah, you know, man in the street kind of, you know, none, none of the flashy otherworldly stuff really, I don't think. But yeah, but don't sell the man short. No, 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 I know you're not, but Spiegelman would probably do a kick-ass plastic man. Yeah. S. Clay Wilson needs to do a Wolverine miniseries just because if anybody's familiar with S. Clay Wilson's work, the bloodshed and just the debauchery, and <laughs> that would work perfectly. Or, or Deadpool. There you go. Respect it. Yep. A little bit of Deadpool for, for, for S. Clay Wilson. Uh, Fletcher Hanks, only because there's so little available from the man and what he has existing reminds me of two characters to begin with. Fletcher Hanks would be great on either a Captain Marvel A.K.A. Shazam, Shazam yeah. or maybe a uh, what's his name? Oh, Sentry, Sentry, yeah, yeah. Okay. the douche, yeah. Because you know uh, the Sentry tools around in the negative zone a lot, yeah, and, and that'd be great for for Fletcher tool, Hanks. Tool being the operative. Force. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Oh, what are you gonna do? That. So that's an awesome question. That is, that is, that's. I'm, Robert that, Williams special. would probably shit on the desk of any person who will even suggest he work for Marvel, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's art. It's all right. That's right. Uh, it's Woodster. Uh, I, I tell you, uh, you what did you say about Marvel? Robert no, Williams would, would have oh. nothing to do with, with Marvel. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because Marvel, Marvel's really kind of reaching out. I, I, they've, they've very quietly become very diverse in what they're offering. I, I can't wait for that Indian anthology. Like um, Feral Darimple? On Omega the Unknown, you're right. I'm 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 very uh, uh, tip of the cap to to Marvel. They're bringing in some pretty pretty outstanding artists. They brought my man Panner in. Hey, no, it's over. Oh yeah. Why yeah. bother bring anybody else in? The master has entered the building. Hey, Oprah, skip. Hey, me and Mama's gonna have a little party this weekend. Thought you might want to come over. Nothing special, just going, uh, some buddies of mine and, uh, 
people from Mama's Red Hat Club are going to come over and we're going to watch that Dancing with the Stars. Uh, you know, so if you got, I saw in the paper there, the National Inquiry, that he's on some new diet. So if you got any uh, dietary uh, restrictions, just let me know and we'll run down to food town and pick you something up. So anyways, love you. Bye. Okay, so from Nice and Blue, question yep. uh, two questions. First one is actually for Vince. Yep. So if we all need to get drinks, we can go ahead and do that while Vince notifies <laughs> here. Yeah, uh, Vince, very... what is the recording setup like for the show, including hardware and software, etc.? Yeah, it's, get it's a Mac. bare bones, no frills, uh, as cheap as we can do it. I use a um, Mac Pro. Wow. Uh, I use. <laughs> we... hey, what do you feed? What do you feed the hamsters with? <laughs> we use Skype, of course. And to capture the audio, we use Audio Hijack Pro, and I edit the audio in Audacity. There's really, it's it's no frills. Yeah. Nothing, nothing very, I don't use Cubase, which is awesome, but that's like, you know, using a Ferrari. That's to, one of those fancy down, shows like around yeah. comics or something. And and it's not, what, and, we switched to um, uh, GarageBand, and I've been trying wow. out uh, Apple's ProLogic, mm-hmm. and it is ProLogic's great. It is outstanding. I, yeah. I love that software. And I got to give you a little bit of props. The last episode, or every episode since, Sal let the moths out of his wallet and got those microphones. Sounds really good. (laughs) No, what it was is the microphones are the same as they've always been. Um, What we did was got a a headphone splitter, a powered headphone splitter, and and DJ-style headphones for each person. So now everyone there can hear what's coming through the the soundboard. And so if you are not projecting into the microphone, you won't hear yourself. And so you automatically know that you're not Oh, that's you know, awesome. not being heard. Cool. So it's ri- the mics are the same. It's that everyone wears headphones now. We got different mic stands, and it's been a battle. It took us three years to really get the audio figured out, and it's, it really has been in the last month that I feel like we're finally where we need to be. Yeah, it sounds great, and I, and I hate like hell to give because I know you do the editing, so it's not really a compliment to Sal. It's a compliment. Uh, to it's, Sal uh, Sal has pretty much taught me everything I know in the editing, and he did he, he he did about the the he did the lion's share of the first year year worth of editing when we were doing um two shows a week um eight shows a month and now we're doing you know four shows a month so mm-hmm. it, it was my turn to take it over but uh yeah. no and he's, he still does a good job yeah you got you got so that's uh, it. you got the answer for two shows in one uh-huh. question right there you go okay and then for the group name one comic that you would still continue to read if its price jumped to three ninety nine or higher, if it's already three ninety nine, how much would you be willing to pay for that specific book? Wow. Amazing Spider Man. Okay. Wow. Three times a week. How much would you pay for it? How much would I pay for it? If it was the only book that I'd pay for at that price, I uh, five bucks would be pushing it. Yeah. And I'm not even just talking about five, three times a month. I'm just saying, you know, five bucks for a comic book. I mean, because this is something for another day. But I was. I was looking at Captain Britain and MI13, the recent issue, and the work that, that Leonard Kirk and Jay Liston are, are, are putting onto the page, even if it only takes you 10 minutes to read it, I, I'm still pouring over the artwork. So I am, I don't care that it takes, it may take, it may take 10 minutes. It's going to take longer than that because I'm looking at the, it takes them longer to draw it. So I'm going to take the time and check out every panel. So it, it right. really would have to be money well spent. Well, y- y- in a perfect world, if Fantastic Four was good, and we all know it isn't, mm. I, I would pay 
five bucks a copy for Fantastic Four only because it's the the closest book to my heart as far as mainstream comics goes. I've always read Fantastic Four with the exception of the last what year? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, and again on the DC side of things, Action Comics, and it's the one that I have to revise from last episode when I said I would not pay three ninety nine. No, 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 I won't do it. I'm gonna pay the three ninety nine for Action only because I have a, a bazillion of them, and I've always read Action, and it's my DC book, so. I would I would pay three ninety nine for action. On the indie side, I would pay and don't tell them I said this because don't want to give them any big ideas. I would pay ten bucks a month for the boys. It's wow. worth that. It's worth wow. that much to me. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that is a big number. <laughs> that, that is. is it, yeah. it, it's the book that I pull out of my DCBS box first every month, no matter what uh, hardcovers, trade paperbacks, all the indies I get and whatever. Uh, the boys is the one I grab first all the time. And Derek is worth it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Garth. Yeah, cool. yeah, him too. All Where right. else are you going to see a hat full of puke? Come on. All right, Chris. <laughs> well, let's keep in mind. Basically, what, uh, uh, what Next in Blue is asking is, what is our favorite comic? So mm-hmm. as, we, as, we go, as we go forward, let's remember these because a lot of these are being rephrased. Sure. Um, <laughs> I I just get a big old comic Woody every time Lock and Key <laughs> comes out. I just I I love that book and it's it's the one that whenever you know I, I see it is on the pull list for that week. I'm just like oh I I actually I actually get excited that that book is coming out because I want to know the next turn in the story. And now especially with the second miniseries. Um, uh, well into it, and actually um, probably getting ready to hit its climax. I'm I, I'm vested into the characters even more so now, and uh, yeah, Lock and Key I feel is um, from art and writing and just concept uh, beginning to end. I feel is is completely worth the money that I spend on it. Um, what would I what would I spend on it? Um, you know, high end. I, I I don't know. It's it's hard to say i probably wouldn't shy away at spending five bucks on it but uh you know then you get into the whole well what you know i'd probably wait for the collected edition or the hardcover or whatever because i am i am i double dip on it i'll buy it in single issues and i'll buy the hardcovers when it comes out and give the single issues away to to someone who i think will you know will like them so uh lock and key far and away uh and i guess since uh if people listen to the show no surprise my my guess my uh Comic would be fables. Um, oh, I forgot there's no other comic that. like it. So <laughs> you know, I could I could deal with certain superhero books dropping them because although there may not be a book just like it, there are plenty of other books in the same vein. But there's nothing like fables. There was nothing before fables came out like it, and I doubt there'll be something like fables after it is done. So um, that would be my pick, and I'd pay. I mean, I don't know how much I'd pay, but a lot. I mean, I'd probably just buy it in collected form, and I'd, you know, I'd probably pay double what I pay now for a trade without much hesitation. Nice. nice. How do you uh, how do you like Jack of Fables? Uh, really, really like it. I, yeah, I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago. I had I had never read it for some reason. I guess because Jack just uh, kind of annoyed me. But uh, but the book, it's fantastic. It's just uh, it's titillating. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, the great fables crossover. Yeah, yeah the the great Can't fables go- crossover started today. Yep. Yes, it did. And uh, can I can I plug that other show I'm on? Um, you, always, you always ask. You got laid <laughs> <now>, buddy. <laughs> uh, Monday, uh, 
Fables fans and just fans of great art, um, try and uh, tune into AC because we uh, we sit down with uh, Tony Akins for about an hour and a half, and we talk a lot about Fables and Jack of Fables and that artist writer teams on those books and just how how much fun it is. So yeah, if you're a fan of Fables at all, definitely uh, definitely check out our our talk with with Tony. I'm not even going to call it an interview because it was definitely just a a free roaming discussion but he really uh, really went in depth a lot on on what they um, what that whole fables team is like and uh, it sounds like it's it's a pretty amazing family of creators and and all the people involved with it really i mean it's it's a special um it's a special little family of books that they have over there and they're very passionate about it so and if you're not a fables fan you really should be you should check that book out that's awesome like wood said Nothing out there like it. There, there was a couple books like it before its existence, but that's neither here nor there. But right now, it's amazing, and it always will be. All right, next question, and I'm assuming it's me reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Frankie the Dildonator. Good old Frankie. <laughs> Frankie. In, epi- <laughs> in episode 49, Vince describes a sketch from Art Spiegelman's B&O's. That's another book uh, collection you guys should get, where a kid stands holding a comic with a wall of comics in the background. Capturing what it is to be comics. If you were that kid, what comic are you holding and why? That's pretty easy for me to say. It's Fantastic Four number 48 by Jack Kirby and that other guy. That's the book that... First appearance of the Beyonder. That's the book that made me fall in love with comics forever. That's also the book that made me decide my career choice forever. Real nice. Yep. I saw Jack's work, and I didn't know it at the time, but the the uh, the art bug wormed its way into my heart, and I've always wanted to be an artist, and it's all because of Jack. That's why I love Kirby so much. Wow. The guy the guy defined pretty much me, not only comics, but me. Very cool. There, uh, there you go. I'll say um, I, I touched on it a little bit ago, but uh, yeah, I just I remember being you know twelve, thirteen years old and starting to um, enjoy comics and draw. And uh, we were talking about Jugger Grimrod, and I probably drew that character a million bazillion times as a kid. So um, yeah, Alien Legion number one. I've drawn the cover to it. I probably I, I've probably drawn every panel in that book, um, just mocking it. And uh, I go back and I look through that that book even now, and and I know those panels almost by heart because I I as a kid sat down and redrew them, and I think I learned how to draw because of uh, because of John Burns X Men and and Alien Legion. Is it Saragar? Saragar, yeah, Saragar, yeah, yep, yeah. Saragar. Yes, thank you. Definitely one of the best books ever to come out of Marvel. Definitely. Oh without, yeah, it was without, it was, without, it was yeah. epic, right? Yeah, epic. Yeah. I well, love that book. Mage the Hero Discovered. <laughs> sure. yeah. um, probably not 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 the first couple issues. Once once Wagner really started getting down and dirty with the airbrushing and, and was getting a feel for everything. Um and and probably the first issue that uh, that had the Grendel backup. Good times. Um, was that um who originally published Mage? Comico. It was Kamika. Okay, we were well. Once again, I'm plugging again. Um, uh, Tony Akins had some great Kamiko stories uh, about going to their offices on LaSalle Street whenever they were 
you know, still here in, in Chicago and, and putting stuff out. So you get some good Kamiko stories. We were talking, uh, um, well, Willingham and Elementals and Justice Machine and all wow. that. Wow. Yeah, it was very great. I can't yeah. wait to hear that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to sound strange, but uh, yeah. but the third issue of the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, no, I had great no comics off the stands ever since I can remember, but it was that issue in my first ever LCS in a mall that my mother took me shopping at randomly that made me become a collector. And I, I was, you know, a geeky book book nerd. I couldn't believe there was actually an encyclopedia that told you <laughs> the histories of superheroes, their powers, how much their powers matched up against one another. It baffled me. I read it cover to cover, <laughs> demanded that we go back to that mall so I could buy more issues of this. And uh, and then pretty much had a, a pull list a few months later, uh, and uh, and it's the rest is history. So Backdrop the, the Leaper is awesome. I must find out more, dude. I, oh. I can still I still have those issues. I have the official handbook of the Marvel Universe in basically every form it's ever come in. I have it in like six different forms now, and I'm buying the hard covers that are coming out now. Oh, cool. Oh, you still love those. Oh, love them. And Frankie's second question: mm-hmm. Can I buy you guys you guys a round of drink someday? Yes. Absolutely, no. absolutely not. No. Shut up. Sure. Yes. Sure you can. Of course. I'm gonna turn down a fact, drink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? What's um what's what's schedule it, as a matter of fact. Right. Come to come to either Wizard World Chicago or, or Windy City or one of those. Where where is Frankie from? I can't say he doesn't have Mount Vernon, New York. Mount oh, Vernon's where York. he lives, yeah. so looks like, looks like I may have to come New out York to Comic Con. New York Comic Con. Maybe next year. Maybe next year, guys. And he's a hell of a guy, too. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Who's got is the it, next question? Is it, is it me? Is it back to yes, me? Yes, I think so. Alan. Lots of exclamation points, Alan. Uh, my two questions. And, man, these were so hard. European comics. I'm aware there are many of these, but could you guys recommend some books that are from the past and the present? Cool. Uh, uh, David, right? Black Sad. Yep. Nice. Uh, there were others. There, there was something else on the tip of my tongue, but for some reason, the damn cat in the trench coat just popped into my head. I got a bunch of them. I know you um, do, it, and I'm sure it. I thought of a couple of them too. <laughs> How about Alejandro Jodorowsky and Juan Jimenez's Metabarons? Okay. And later, Travis Charest oh. was on that. Metabarons mm. was published was published by uh, Humanoids when DC and Humanoids had that uh, partnership going on. Awesome, fantastic work, Mobius. Ah, damn you. Can't forget about Mobius. <laughs> you stole mine. Yeah. Jean, Jean Garrod, uh, Arzak, the Airtight Garage. Uh, have you ever seen the blueberry stuff, the Western stuff? Is, is it oh. Gerard? I always thought it was Gerard, but you're probably right. Yeah, oh, I'm, I can't pronounce I think, French I shit. Gerard, but, but... Gerard, whatever. Yeah, uh, and for it, those that want to... You start... I mean, my first Mobius, I don't know if this was your guys, was uh, was Parable, the, uh, the Silver Surfer story. Oh right! Yeah, oh, Stanley, yeah, Stan, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I mean, his art back then, dude, his art yeah. at that time for me was awesome. awesome. I mean, there I, was nothing like it. So I fucked up in in uh, in high school. It was a yeah, big surprise. And and as a fine arts class, I was in, and I tried to. You had to kind of it was a self portrait kind of kind of uh, assignment. So it was all acrylic paint on the. Um, on, it wasn't. We weren't even painting on like real canvas. It was the whole one piece board. And oh, nice! I tried to do something in a Mobius style, and you're going to see me in this little like flying car with this detailed city behind me, kind of looking like something out of heavy metal or Fifth Element. Just, just you know, a lot of his style, a lot of work he did. But I'm doing it in the wrong medium. 
with the wrong equipment. The brushes weren't. I, I'm, I'm trying to put all this detail in this acrylic paint job, and I just I completely botched it up. You couldn't even see me. Everything it, it looked like it was it was inked with a sharpie if it was ever going to be like done on a page. It was ridiculous. It's so sad. <laughs> Way off topic. That's okay. Um, how about the Inkle? Have you guys read Mobius's Inkle? No. No. Oh, I-N-C-A-L? Yes. Yeah. I've, okay, yeah. no, I never read it. I just I remember seeing things from it. Marvel put out a series of, of graphic novels in the, what, early to mid-'80s? Yeah. A Mobius series that pretty much encompassed a lot of his more popular work. I, I think they're pretty expensive now, if you wanted to, to scoop them up, but it, they're well worth the price. Uh, to, uh, who, who else we got? I got um, one. Okay, okay. Paolo Serpieri. <laughs> this is for you adults out there. No kitties listening at home. Check that uh, one out. Nice. But uh, he is, uh, if you like cheesecake art, he, <laughs> the man could draw some booty. Right. And he, he draws yeah. some dong and some, some cooter oh, yeah. now and then. But, yeah. but uh, the man can draw some women. So if you like Frank Cho, if you like Adam Hughes, <laughs> then you got to check out the man that a lot of them took their inspiration from well did you know that the heavy metal reprints of the druna work are censored oh no i didn't way. i thought you were yeah say- they are they judiciously placed dialogue balloons over the nasty bits if you get the original editions oh, of those wow. they're all they're all uncensored yeah like when when she's with the dude and he's talking and you see her head doing something uh-huh. you see that yes. in the original okay yeah. Yeah, it's just like a uh, over her face. Heavy metal was well before Eastman started publishing it. I used to love this shit out of heavy metal, Milo Minara and 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 Ranzarox and oh yep. Christ, man! I would just buy that magazine and just be absorbed for for, for the next sixty days. That's what I was going to say. If you want to check out a nice cross section of the best European artists scare up some vintage issues of heavy metal even current issues yeah. there's a nice a nice layout of what's out there and uh you can't beat it uh, F- uh philippe Druyette droulet is it droulet the french dude pops up in heavy metal a lot enki bilo oh that guy's amazing the dude richard that corbin do- dormant beast yeah but he's not your i know i know i'm just throwing yeah, you. yeah. But, uh, i mean i gotta there's this cool anthology out of finland that's uh, the name of it's Kuti, K-U-T-I, Kuti or Kuti. It, it's a newspaper-sized anthology that incorporates uh, some United States artists, but for the most part, uh, Finnish artists, Italian, um, Portuguese. It's amazing, and uh, it's really cheap. It's like two bucks an issue. Um, I get mine from the Poop Sheet Shop. I know I mention that place a lot, but if you want European comics and mini comics, you can get a lot of neat. Seldom seen stuff at the poop sheet shop. Just Google it, find it there. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to, to add to the conversation anymore. It's uh, Black Bat and um, uh, Techno Priest. Isn't that a, a, a Jodorowsky? Um, yes, it is. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed yep. that quite a bit. Um, it's, How about uh, uh, Munoz and Sampaio, the guys that did Joe's Bar, the influenced Frank Miller to no end? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. The Iron right, Quench. DR and Quinch. Oh Alan yeah, but, Dale Davis. Well, I, I guess yeah. it is. Yeah, I guess it is European. I'm not thinking of uh, British comics. I was thinking, you know, oh, more yeah. of the, the, the main. Oh, you know, right? The main yeah. Warrior, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're on that uh, vein, let's throw Eddie Campbell in there. Oh, the sure. best of the best. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eddie Campbell's awesome. Um, you bet. Oh, met him in person last year at a little book signing at uh, Quimby's, and yeah. just. Um, 
amazingly gracious um, and, and and friendly person. Um, really, really nice guy. So if you ever have a chance, if Eddie Campbell's doing a signing in your hometown, go go meet him. Very, very nice guy. Second question. Comic book conventions. In your experiences of Comic-Cons, what do you guys like and dislike about them? The smell. Dislike. Oh, David. <laughs> I like the smell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do I like? Okay, well, this is just completely personal and the only reason why i go to conventions because i can get comics from anywhere i go to hang out with my buddies it was it was the first time the reason i ever went out to chicago was because i was a guest on around comics and sal and chris were foolish enough to invite me out there and that's pretty much all it took so i've i've been out there twice kicked myself twice for not going but uh but yeah, that's that's what I love about him. It's just it's a weekend. Not not so much it's away from the house or away from the other shit. It's the fact that I get to just hang out with my boys. You feed the dog, he keeps coming back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I absolutely. I'm probably going out of turn here, but I don't care. I absolutely love comic book conventions. I love the the travel involved to go see new cities, and it's the uh, meeting up with friends that. You know, unfortunately or fortunately, however it works out, that I I only see at conventions, and it's you guys, mm, and it's mm. guy fanboy guys, and Pat and Dave Wachter, and you know the the whole the whole group of people. Um, I love getting on the floor and being around you know ten or twenty thousand people that are there for the same reason of a like interest and then i love the socializing aspect of it you know afterwards i i I love the entire convention experience it's just it's it's a lot of fun and i look forward to everyone that i go to and whenever i come home from them i'm you know it's it's you know you you start getting into this little you know little um progression of events of getting to the show hooking up with all your buddies going out for you know dinner and drinks and hanging out and then the things that you do during the day at the show and then you go through the entire progression until like that sunday when everybody has to say their goodbyes and then you come home on monday and then you spend the next three or four days being sick from concred and yeah i i love the entire experience <laughs> concred that's funny. <laughs> uh i have to echo David's sentiments. I go to the conventions because I like to be with my friends. Bullshit! And you like you like to shop. Quit lying. I do. Oh, I do love to shop. <laughs> and the There's no doubt about Vince. that. Vince has his nose do to get three inches deep people. into a into a long box over there. Yeah, that's true. But to be honest with you, if I was alone at the conventions, I probably would spend an hour tops. Because rooting through comic boxes by yourself, wow, yeah. very fun. It, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired. I, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for Sal and Tom and Chris and Dancy, Cut yeah, and and uh, Freaky Tiki, Tim, uh, Jason. You guys, I, I'm don't know whether you know this or not, but I'm not. I'm not the most outgoing person in the world, <laughs> and. You guys have showed me what uh, the importance of friends. I'm a solitary dude. I don't like to associate with too many people, but my, I've, you guys have turned me around, and I love to be with you. That's why I get on a plane and fly fly whatever miles it is to Chicago just to be with you guys. I'm counting the days, so, man. I can't wait to see you yeah. guys. 
the tear up. And being with Jason in New York, that was awesome. Sleeping with him on the floor, having him feel tickle my ear. Oh, was, whoa, whoa, awesome. Whoa, whoa. I used to tell you my injection that weekend. He's like, Vince, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. I said, no, Jason, you can't hit it. There's other people in the room. <laughs> I'm going to hit it right now. <laughs> I can't I take did. it. That's the first <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you certainly you guys hit on the, the biggest thing, which is just the camaraderie. Um, and although you didn't mention it, I think – yeah, I probably I probably echo you guys by saying that uh, it's it's a lot of fun to um, to meet the creators and get to know them and and befriend some of them and just uh, I think for those comic fans who haven't been to many cons or are shy at cons, it would really do you some good to at least hit one or two because I think one of the cool things about this this medium and, and why we're so passionate about it is that you know what the creators are really just dudes. I mean, they're not you know they're, this they're, is not they, like you know if you love a yeah. If you love it, you know, if you have a TV show or a movie that you love and all, you know, you meet the people, they're, they're celebrities. I mean, they may be cool to you, they may not be, but, but they're celebrities and rich and, and probably a little bit entitled and, uh, and, and, you know, and, but comics aren't like that. I mean, these guys are, you know, half of them are just trying to pay the bills. The other half are, you know, they're, they're doing it for the love of it. And, uh, and, and I, I would say that eight, nine times out of ten chance I've gotten to meet a creator, it's been unbelievably rewarding. They've been cool, social, nice, polite. Um, and it just uh, it, it's it certainly emboldened my love for something I already loved. Um, as for things we haven't talked about much that we don't like, uh, definitely the crowds can get annoying on a Saturday. So you know, I would say a lot of people go on Saturday because it's the you know they want to check it out. I, I I love Fridays early, and I love Sundays uh, because they're they're much more chill. You can hang out with your buds. You can get sketches and dive in bins without having to fight uh, through crowds. Um, and, go back uh, and I, hate, I hate when they're over. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's always a melancholy thing to uh, to have that Sunday hit you, and you realize that the yeah. the, bo- the booths are starting to empty out, and everybody's got to catch trains and flights and hop in cars, and you realize that it's probably going to be like Chris said, uh, a, a good long time. You know, six months a year before you see a lot of these people again. It it's made me realize that shared experiences are the best experiences. Mm-hmm. And as far as the bad things go, like you said. It's kind of like the villain you love to hate. The, the cosplayers kind of annoy me to a certain degree, like oh, you said, yeah. and and the crowds. But it's part of the experience. You can't have one without the other. So, yeah, I'll, it, yeah they are annoying, but it's a good kind of annoying in a way. It's just something that you like, deal with. It's kind of yeah. like David. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hello. This is Julian Lytle. Saying the name on the forums. just want to say congrats. To all the guys for getting 52 episodes, a whole year. One more thing I like to say, like how come I hit nobody big up Umbrella Academy? Anybody read that last issue? It had like, it has like Donkey Kong Moses characters in it, punching out mummies in the jungle with chimpanzee GI shooting people, stabbing up. Like vampire ninjas coming out the bush. That that shit right there is Plantanas. Jetpacks. Bananas punching people out like... Nobody's talking about it. I know the other books is probably hot too, hot like fire. But I'm about to catch right now is that straight lava out the volcano. Little meteorite shooting out of it. Get on that. Read that comic. 
fire, lava. Now people like Pompeii. And I'm out. Jeremy, Ohio. Oh, this is uh, appropriate. Uh, in your own opinion, have indie comics overtaken the big two in quality in the last five years? Do you think the big two get by on name alone these days? Uh, yes and no. And yes and no. I, I, I think that the best indie comics out there are probably the best comic books on the shelves. And uh, I think that the big two are still putting out some pretty amazing work. So uh, I think good comics are good comics. And I think you see, you know, the the top of the pile is, um, you know, sometimes I think that uh, uh, Captain America is the best comic book on the shelves. And then the next week, I may think that there's nothing better out there than Razzle. So uh, has have indie comics um, overtaken the big two? I don't think so. I think that they have um, closed the gap commercially, and I think that uh, you know that's a lot of eye of the beholder stuff. You know, when R. Crumb is putting out comics, you know, back in the seventies, uh, um, pretty amazing stuff. So. Uh, I I don't know how much of a creative gap there ever was to to fill. Uh, The second part of the question, do you think the big two get by on name alone these days? Uh, Yes and no. I think a lot of people out there will buy Marvel and DC Comics just because they are Marvel and DC Comics, but don't discount the fact that there are some pretty pretty amazing works going on out there by the big two people publishers they're the big two for a reason and uh just because you know i may not like the stuff that bendis is doing right now doesn't mean that it's not good it just doesn't um trip my trigger um but you look at you know the aforementioned abnet and lanning um guardians of the galaxy i don't care if it's kitchen sink putting it out it's a damn good book I miss there's my answer sink. yeah me too uh i'm kind of in in the similar similar boat i mean there i don't want to say as a whole or just to generalize it that indie comics have overtaken the big two there's some great comic books put out by whoever you want to consider an indie publisher and then there's just still some crap regardless of the publisher but uh i i mean indie publishers have always had a uh had had have been putting out some solid stuff so i don't i I mean, this goes back to Comico or First or Eclipse or, or or Pacific or anybody like that. So I don't think they've overtaken them over the past five years. It's like Chris said, it's it's they've put out some good stuff, and and so is Marvel and DC. I mean, Captain Britain, Rebels, they've both companies put out some quality stuff. Yeah, tell, tell me a better book in the in the eighties than Love and Rockets. You know, it's depending on your taste, right? You know. Right. You want me to go or Jason? Uh, um, Jason. Jason. Well, I, you know, in the interest of brevity here, I, I think you two hit hit the sediment exactly as I see it. I don't. I mean, I think I read tons of indies a lot more than I used to. That's just because I'm aware of them. I, I still read tons of the big two, and uh, I think there's great stuff being put out everywhere, and, and not such great stuff. Just uh, so so, I just I don't. I'm kind of against generalizations, and uh, and so I, I wouldn't want to generalize and say one is better than the other because when you say indie in and of itself, I mean you're talking about a breath and you know you're talking about you're running the gambit of literally thousands of creators putting out thousands of different things so i it would be unrealistic to to label them as though it was you know 
one entity competing against two other entities. I mean, I know commercially that may be the case, but from as a reader, no, I I, I think there's great stuff. It's like it's like saying it's like saying is there good baseball being played outside <laughs> of the Red Sox and the Yankees? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, can there? Yes. Can, can a can a low budget five million dollar Kevin Smith clerks be great? Yes, but does that mean that a two hundred million dollar blockbuster can't be great? No, of course not. That can be great too. It's just about what yeah. you do with. Uh-oh. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to put my indie snob hat on for this one. <laughs> I. I Agree with your sentiments, all of you, on the second part of that question, but I don't agree on, on the first. Not even close. Uh, on an average, and that's taking the bulk of Marvel and DC's output compared to the bulk of the indie, everything other than Marvel and DC, I think the indies have been far more. Um, yeah, but there, there's more. There's more trash on, and I'm, yeah, okay, that's a little harsh. There's more garbage. Okay, that's even worse. But um, the high, there, there's the, I will, the, I will the, low, the low end of indie. There's a lot of bad comics out there. But the highs, in my opinion, are much higher and more resonant with the indies. There has never been a comic published by Marvel or DC as good as Love and Rockets, or as good as Cerebus. Or Eddie Campbell's Bacchus, or From Hell, you know the list of the high points. Miracle Man. Tell me a superhero story from Marvel or DC that even comes close to Miracle Man. Watchmen, written by the same dude. Okay, but uh, you know, uh, uh, all right. Um, qualifiers on it. I mean, no. I'm just. There's no qualifiers. I'm saying the high points. For me, this is just a, a, my opinion. For the indie books, are much stronger than the Marvel or DC. You, you can't produce a work within a corporate structure with characters that are not your own that will be close to what you can do when you don't have those chains on you. But the question actually was: Have indie comics overtaken the big two in the last five years? And you're making the case that you've thought that indie stuff and in your no, it's in quality. It's quality. Right, but he's saying has it overtaken them in the last five years? In the last five years, I don't know. I, yeah, that's that's the part that I'm I'm kind of glossing over. The last five years, uh, they may have already. It's true. Well, you're it's, saying it's, that it, they probably already had arrived before five years ago. Yeah, in the, in oh, the past yeah. five years, maybe not. No, but but uh, early on, Raw magazine, nothing like it from the big two, uh, like Zap Comics. Uh, uh, Freak Brothers from Gilbert Shelton. You'll never see comics like that come out of Marvel or DC. I'm, but yeah, in the past five years, I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah, figure. I'm trying to think of some major, major mouse works in the last five mm-hmm. years that that have come out that have kind of like you know shaken the 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 comics world. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh God, I can't wait for the Century 1910. Yeah. Is that is that coming out into so, End of the month, man. I I don't know exactly. I read. Uh, I, I got the absolutes of those a couple like in the last year and a half or so because I knew that eventually they would go out of print and then I would kick myself. I read both of them in the last two weeks and God, are those great comics? Yep. Oh, so good. Okay. Sorry, I, I deviate. It's okay. Uh, yeah. There we go. Question number two: What character, in your opinion? Needs to be retired for a while, at least ten years, and why? Wolverine, I'm done. Oh boy, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Huh? Needs to be retired. 
Superboy Prime. Oh, wow. God, yeah. I like Superboy Prime. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Kyle Rayner. Um, uh, How about Tony Stark? That'd be awesome. <laughs> Tony Stark for 10 years? <laughs> Shit. I'll buy more Marvel. Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> Mark yeah, Miller. Oh, I'm sorry. You said. Oh, hey, I agree with you on that one, buddy. That's such a hard question because that's basically saying, you know, what character are you tired of? Do do, do you think there aren't any stories that can be written? And Wolverine is the obvious choice, but I still like seeing people try and write good Wolverine stories. It's harder to do, but yeah, Wolverine's the, you know, there's been a hundred years worth of continuity of of Wolverine written in the last 20 years. So yeah, he's the obvious choice to be retired, but I, I can't. I I like a Marvel Universe with Wolverine in it, so I don't Bishop. know if I'd retire him, but you know. How about the Sentry? I, I say Bishop. Yeah, the Sentry. Well, I'd like him to be gone forever. Oh, I don't yeah, want to retire. Yeah, ever, forever and ten years are two different things. <laughs> mm, maybe not. So bad. There, there's no such thing as bad character. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. exactly. I think it just needs to be written the right way. Uh, yeah, 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 in the uh, DC Universe where he belongs. This one's for Renee. This How about Spider Man? <laughs> oh, how about Batman then? Screw that thing. <laughs> Screw that thing. Yeah, I, 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 I would say Batman, but hey, Batman is retired right now. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's my voice writing them. Retired that Okay, congrats on one year anniversary. I've been listening since the beginning. I have no other friends who now read comics, so the show is the only comic talk I get and love every minute of it. I love every minute of it. Yeah. David is my favorite. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> How do you get in here? I thought we had restrictions sign, on wackos. Sign David. Sign David, yeah. Uh, who's <laughs> ne- All right, so it's Jason's turn. No, it's my turn. Jason read the, the comic convention one. No, that no, was Chris. I read the, I, no, it's Jason's turn. You're right yourself. Oh, I'm a... Yeah, go ahead. It's from our buddy Andy Jewett. Oh! Uh, number hey, one, you Papa. Are you still having fun doing the show? Yeah, the check's still clear, so... <laughs> yeah. Vince? Hell yeah. Hell yes. Shit, are you kidding me? I'm still doing it. I don't do anything I don't have fun with. (laughs) Vince, Vince, by the way, if anyone's ever going to burn out, it's Vince, because he. we don't talk about this enough. Vince does all of the heavy lifting on the editing end of it. David does a ton of the heavy lifting on the the website side, and and Jason uh, and I just show up. (laughs) Yeah, so Dave, David, and Vince, David and Vince are the ones that do all yeah, the work, folks. So I just Vince show is up. the one who deals with Libsyn. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, the, it it's never stopped being fun. No, cool. uh, I don't. I don't foresee a time when it will. Sweet. Okay, and then uh, a little more open ended here. Uh, go around. I guess we'll start with Vince. Favorite story genre? Horror by far. Wow. I think the horror genre brings out the best in artists because not only do they have to deal with the regular aspects of comics, the pacing and the rendering and the, the, just the whole formal aspects, they also have to create atmosphere, which is incredibly difficult. And you guys got guys like Bernie Wrightson showing everybody how to do it, a master of atmosphere, and uh, Charles Burns, uh, Steve Bissett. Horror by far is my favorite genre. Genre? How about that? Nice. Genre? Yeah. You make it's up my favorite genre. <laughs> genre. <laughs> genre. That's nice. Uh, a year ago, I would have said crime easily. That's what 
uh, really kind of helped rope me back into comics was seeing uh, some amazing crime fiction out there, and I still love love crime comics. But uh, in the last in the last six months or a year, well, probably a year because uh, I'm kind of thinking back uh, um, when we started doing this. I I really having uh, a personal renaissance of enjoying sci-fi comics and it's getting back to my roots i was always a fan of sci-fi growing up and there are just really really fun sci-fi books whether it's fear agent or guardians of the galaxy uh green lantern and there's just if you like if you like outer space and and big cosmic and and small cosmic, it's out there. And right now, I, I have more fun with with sci-fi than any other genre in comics. David, good answer. I was I was going to say sci-fi, but then I started thinking about it and figuring that like where Chris was going with with the cosmic stuff, Green Lantern, Guardians, Fear Agent. But then I mean, there's also science fiction as far as. Spider-Man or Iron Man or, or Hulk. So I, I kind of, I guess I'm going to, I do love science fiction, but I think right now I'm really enjoying the big shoot 'em ups and the fights, and, and, and so I'll say action-adventure. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, this was a hard one for me because I, I read all genres, and I, I don't know that I would ever classify myself as having one particular genre that I prefer, but... Um, of late, I would say sci-fi, much for what Chris was saying. It's just the stuff that I've been most, both excited and surprised by, I would categorize as sci-fi. Uh, just entertain, just flat-out entertain. Yeah, and it's hard because, like, Fear Agent and Guardians of the Galaxy and even Rebels. I mean, I, I guess I caught kind of a lot of sci-fi, but, you know, you could call Fear Agent Pulp and Adventure, and you could call, yeah. you know, so, but but for the sake of this, yeah, I'd say sci-fi. But, but by a nose, I mean, I, I really don't have any given genre that I, I lean toward. Next up is from our buddy Mike Sims. Hey. He just has one question. Are there any good behind the scenes at the eleven o'clock studios you can't you can share, such as great pre recording <laughs> moments or stuff that didn't make it on oh. air? <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple of things. Uh, yeah, yes, well you guys no. can go. Entertaining <laughs> stuff. Stuff that we can share, no. Even <laughs> though it we do some of our best bullshit <laughs> whenever we're not recording. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sharing well, a story over a drink at a bar is one thing. Saying it on on the air on the podcast is something different. Yeah, yeah. come up to Chicago this year, Mike, and we'll. we'll... <laughs> oh, he's going to be there. <laughs> I do think one of the uh, high points in our fifty-two episodes was Wood taking a leak. That just... yeah, I'm being brother. Yeah, thanks that to, was awesome. That, things that should have been off mic but weren't. <laughs> the whole other category. I'm, I'm waiting for the Duke to drop. Other than that, oh, it's already <laughs> I'm pooping, brothers. Here's the year two. I'm pooping, bitch. Hey, guys, it's Haas. Um, Avengers 50. I know I'm a month late, but Jesus Christ. I paid almost $5 for a book, and um, the characters are sitting there watching TV for a couple of pages. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah, that must have been really hard to write later. What's up, guys? A.K.A. 11 O'Clockers is Haas with some recommended reads for you. Read Iron Fist. Read Asian Atlas. Read Sonic the Hedgehog. Read Psyblade. Um, shit, I guess that's it. Just read whatever you like. Peace. Later. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. Just 
if you want to read some good two-fisted comic book goodness, pick up anything written by Bo Smith. Just, he's just awesome. And he's a real man. Later. Peace. Let me take the next one because that was only one. Uh, Mr. Jefferson says, hello, boys. Hello there. <laughs> oh, I'm not answering the second question, by the way. Oh, no. I, I, I hate those oh, fucking boy. questions. Okay. Name the artist or writer that at first you didn't like but later learned to love. That's mm. very easy for me. Oh. Frank Robbins. Wow. Absolutely hated Frank Robbins' stuff early on. Didn't Didn't get it, didn't like it at all. It looked all goopy and malleable and they looked like the characters didn't have any bones it was all over the place and later on i i fell in love with his work i i really really like frank robbins's stuff so that's my yeah frank robbins uh it's actually uh in his signature he's got uh um what he's reading and it's uh the um uh american flag and howard shaken is mine i it it took me a while to uh gain a a, a Big time appreciation for Howard Shake and stuff, which I I love now. But whenever I first saw it, I was like, eh? but no, nah, I, I I love it now. Dave Cockrum. For some no. reason, I it just it wasn't it didn't look flat. It's just people looked a little. I would look at one comic book and then he I, I was I would, I'd be used to George Perez drawing up a character's nose or, or, or standing so that you're not looking straight at the character so that there's action in the panel. And Cockrum tried that too and, and, and did it, but it just didn't, it didn't gel right. Things were just a little, or, or the way the poses were like anatomically, everybody was, was correct. And, and it's the way somebody would stand, but because it was more realistic, I guess it looked weird to me. So it took a while for me to, plus you had John Byrne on X-Men. You had Paul Smith follow him on X-Men. And then I go back to the Cockrum stuff, and I'm like, this just doesn't have the pizzazz, and, and, but it, it does. And, and even then you go back further than that with his Legion stuff. It, he, he was the shit. He had what it took, and, uh, and you know, miss him. But uh, it took a while for me to warm up to him. I totally agree. There are a lot for me, uh, but, but I'd say the, the, hmm. the two that immediately come to mind are, are Mr. Grant Morrison and Mr. Frank Quietly. I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I long-time X-Men fan. That new X-Men just threw me for a loop. I wasn't ready for it. Um, and uh, I can't say what changed, but I guess maybe exploring other stuff, some, reading some of Morrison's other work where I didn't have a, a vested interest in, quote-unquote, the way the character should look or should be written. Um, really began to love Morrison's stuff. Um, quietly, really, for me, it was um, All-Star, Superman, and, and, and We Three. And again, I, seeing him draw characters that I didn't have some preconceived notion as to how they should look made me realize what a great draftsman he is. And uh, and now I love. I mean, I I look forward to anything those two do. I mean, Batman and Robin, that they've got up next. I just can't wait for. So uh, I mean, that that's a case where I went from basically despising or saying I despise those two guys, which was really more about ignorance and not knowing their work well enough. Uh, I now love them. So that's an easy one. I think you can add Mike Albert to that list too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I'm still not 
exposed enough to <laughs> Allred's stuff in totality to say I really you know love him or not. I just appreciate some of the stuff I've seen of him recently. I can appreciate that I, I wouldn't have in the past. But that's that's a little different than you know actually loving an artist or writer. Okay. The only other and and wrote because I thought of him too late. Steve Lealoha, back when he was doing Coyote wow. or or inking Al Milgram on Secret Wars two things like that. His was a style I needed to get used to. That's the only other person I can really think of. All right. Cool. You can ask a second question. I just said it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Jefferson. Amongst yourselves, who would you marry, make sweet love to, if that suits you better? Yeah, it kind of does. Or set up an intervention for? (laughs) (laughs) I got no answer for this. Yeah. Oh, the intervention, maybe. The who who would you have uh, uh, sex with, uh, marry, and and do other thing questions are always a little weird. So uh. yeah, because it kind of singles out which ones, yeah, which ones among you us worry we about. like more. Yeah, those, yeah, those, and which ones are, we. Uh, those are odd. Quite, I, I love you all. But that's what this show is all about, though, isn't it? We 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 like to reveal. Yeah. I I think I would marry David only to fix him. He's <laughs> <laughs> nice. trying that, dude. I would like to make sweet love to both Jason and Chris at the same time. <laughs> oh boy, Jesus! <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> make the seesaw, baby. And and I would send up an intervention for myself. All right, just to be diplomatic about it. Yeah, I, I think let's just say that Vince speaks for all of us. Um, <laughs> yes, we all want an intervention. Oh, you're on you're on dangerous territory, buddy. You don't want me speaking for you. All right, are we okay. good? Okay. Ne- ne- yeah. Next question. Next question. Thank you. Jeffrey. Moving on. Uh, who's right. going to read my good buddy Dave Faust? Oh, Dave Chris. Faust. I, I'll take this one. Uh, uh, Mr. Faust asks, uh, "What was the first work of art, uh, album, comic, novel, movie, etc., that made you question your reality or your beliefs?" I love this guy. <laughs> I love him. All right, Who wants uh, to go? David? Oh, Christ. Wow. Wow. I have no idea. I'm going to need you guys to be a sounding but I'm going to have to hear what you guys say just to see if something pops into my head. I'm uh, drawing a blank right now, I swear. I just uh, wrote an essay for our buddy Jay Tomio's website, mm-hmm. Bookspot Central, and um, it isn't posted yet, but he, he has a panel... He does a feature each month where he asks a question and has a, a panel of people from um, all different walks of life answer it. And the question was not dissimilar f- to this, only it dealt specifically with what movies, books, TV, uh, etc. really made an impression on us as a child. Um, so made me think through some of these things. So this is actually something I've given some thought to of late. Um, the movie's going to sound strange. Uh, big chill. Uh, and I can't explain why, but it's a movie I remember. I was—I mean, I had to be a preteen when it came out. Um, and it's a movie for those that haven't seen it. Basically, about thirty-somethings uh, that were college buddies, and you know, now their lives are very different. And I remember seeing that movie and just being blown away at the realization um, of how things are going to change. You know, that the people that you think are your quote-unquote best friends and people you couldn't live your life without every day are likely not going to be there in your life every single day and you're going to grow apart and, and be different and it really impacted me and I've watched the movie probably 30 40 times and, um, and and now I'm that age now I'm sort of at that point and it's interesting now to to uh, to reflect back on 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 that movie and why it made that impression to me but uh, um, on the book front um, you guys know I name my 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 son my third son Holden uh, you know catcher in the rye 
Um, I mean, of all the classics, that that book, I think there's a reason why it is a classic coming of age story. Um, you know, it sort of it spoke to me in the way I think it probably speaks to many young men. In that, uh, you know, you're you're in that adolescent stage and you're sort of questioning things and you feel like you're right and everybody else is wrong and you just but you're frustrated because you don't really have the resources or the power or the maturity to do anything about it. Um, so you sort of just have to. Uh, to grin and bear it and try and find your way until you kind of, you know, grow up and, and be a man. Um, so, I mean, those two really strike me. It's, it, comics, I can't say that anything really has made me question my reality. I've always looked at comics more as entertainment, and I guess as I've gotten older, some comics have been, you know, more profound in the quality of the work, I guess, but but I don't think it's ever really made me rethink things. Um, so, I'll hand it off to hmm. one of you guys. I have a very quick answer. And uh, I would cite all these things for the same reason. The album is probably Frank Zappa's The Grand Wazoo. The comic would be Marvel's comics book, the first issue of that. William Burroughs' Naked Lunch. And I don't have a movie. Maybe 2001. Um, Because all of those works of art have shattered preconceptions I had of what those types of art should be like for an album. Before I experienced the Grand Wazoo, I would think that music had to be created in three-minute, easily digestible, mass-appeal chunks, and and comics had to have superheroes in them, and they would have to deal with these larger-than-life characters fighting, and Marvel's comics book just totally shattered that preconception I had. It was about religion. It was about sex. Uh, and it came out in 1974. While I was grooving on Jack Kirby's work at DC, this thing comes out from Marvel and just totally blows me away out of left field. Dennis Kitchen. I, I know I've talked about it before. Uh, some of the most underground artists of the time were brought in to, to create this magazine for Marvel, and it just blew me away. Comics don't have to be about superheroes. Uh, William Burroughs. Uh, novels don't have to contain complete sentences or make all that much sense uh, on any particular page, but when digested as a whole, and even words, making up his own words and, and, and pushing them around in new and different ways, the things that shattered what I believed to be before have changed me for, for my uh, my whole life. I mean, early on, I already had the notion that everything we were being told as people was a lie. It wasn't a, a stretch to to shatter my reality, so that's my answer. Yeah, I don't know if there was any one like ice breaking moment for me that where I had you know a, an epiphany or this this massive life changing uh, tip the scales in one direction for my reality or or my belief structure or anything like that. I think uh, um, everything I've read or watched or or seen has has added to added to the picture. Uh, I mean, there there are certainly works out there that have uh, that have meant a lot to me, or have been much more instrumental in in shaping my my belief, you know, core. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I could rattle off a lot of things that I've read or or, or seen that you know that mean a lot to me. But uh, you know, I think that I think that's life is that you are a collection. Of of everything that you spend your time inputting into your brain, and uh, you know, it's like yeah, you know, Fountainhead is a book that means a lot to me, and it and it helps shape a lot of the ways that I feel, you know, about life as as an adult now. Um, 
but it's not it's it's not like a, a keystone book you know i could say you know for you know i don't talk about my faith that often but i could say that the bible is is something that has had a profound inf- you know impact on me but uh you know it's just it's just a collection of all that stuff so yeah. within the last 10 years and i know i talk about this book a lot too in passing i would have to say alan moore and eddie campbell's snakes uh snakes and ladders is is probably the most reality shattering book i've read it's creep the cd is creepy sounding too it's awesome Oh my God! And it, you know, it they combined snakes and ladders and the birth call into a one-volume set called Disease of Language. It's an awesome book. Gotta yeah. get it. Whenever a top shelf does their uh, their annual sale, you can usually pick up Snakes and Ladders, uh, the the book and the the comic and uh, and the audio CD for for a nice little price. Yep. Subtitle that: Life, the Universe, and Everything. That's what it's about. Great stuff. Douglas Adams is going to be my other mention, actually. Uh, I, miss, nice. I, miss, I miss Douglas Adams. Me too. Me too. Thanks for the fish. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm going to only go with one work of art since there was a uh, since there was commas and etc. I'm I don't know about reality or beliefs. When I was when my parents were were still together, you know, things were very, I guess, structured. You know, go to school, come home. You know, it was it was very. It wasn't Leave it to Beaver, but, I mean, it was just your general, ordinary upbringing or family. And I was going through, I have no idea, this had to be in the late 70s, I was going through my um, the albums, the vinyl that, that, that my parents had over the years. And the one that freaked me out, that kind of just made me sit back, I guess, and... and not not wonder about my family or think about you know who the hell these people are, but but make me realize that there is more to just what I see my mom and dad as. The album cover to uh, Three Penny Opera with with Mac the Knife in the shadow against the brick wall, and there's a panhandler looking up to him, and it just freaked me to hell out. And it just it, it made me realize that it just everything wasn't. What I thought that there's more to these people than, than than just you know being my mom and dad, and that's one image that I that that, that I still have to this day. So I mean, it's, it's not a beliefs thing or a religious thing or anything. It's just something that just it was one of the eye opening things early on, because that 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 album's you, from like '76. So I for, I thought for sure you were going to say Led Zeppelin's Presence, the freaky ass thing on the table. <laughs> no, I don't think they had that one. <laughs> the, the freaky the freakiest uh, album cover, and it still is burned into my brain because my parents played this record so much is uh little feet sailing shoes nice wow that is a, that is a <laughs> fucked up fucked up album cover see and they had other shit like uh well they had they, they had hair of course but they had pippin pippin's another one that, that that i was like what the hell so but yeah my, my, my parents were a little freakier than i thought <laughs> nice since since we're talking album covers uh-huh. the one that the image, single image on an album cover that really kicked me in the ass was the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour. Wow. I love yeah. I love the cover of that album. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. House yeah. is the Holy. 
We're talking yep. Zeppelin. That, that's okay. Man, my, my parents were, uh, my parents were very liberal. I'll just, I'll just say that. So, uh, yeah, we, um, I, I remember being like, like 10 and reading the, uh, Thick as a Brick album, which was, oh. you could fold it out. It was a newspaper. It was uh, Jeth- yep. Jethro Tull's Thick as a Brick. So, oh, wow. I, that, you know, my parents, you know, they would, they would have friends over and they'd play records and I just, I, you know, it was probably some of my first introduction to, to, pop art and i would look at these record covers and i remember reading the thick as a brick newspaper album so yeah it's cool stuff i i I miss the the big records yeah me too album art is lost art again no way in hell would they ever be able to do houses of the holy today that would have been railed against even before it got off the presses yeah that image would not fly today part two is Name two or three of your favorite mad scientist type characters and why you like them, Chris. Uh, uh, all, since this is 52, I will just uh, say all of the mad scientists from, uh, was, it, was it Oolong Island? <laughs> nice. That was my, my favorite part, my favorite storyline in 52. And so you get Egg Foo and what, Tio Morrow and, 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 and just, just all, all of the, the crazy, uh, DC mad scientists and put them on one island. I thought that was, that was awesome. So yes, the, 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 the Oolong Island crew. Hmm. Mad scientist type. I just characters. took them all, so <laughs> I just took them all, all of the DC, all of the DC, uh, the mad scientists. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for this. To be honest, nothing's coming to mind. I got a couple. Go ahead. My the big head honcho, my all-time favorite mad scientist. Now mad scientist turned mad magician, Doctor Doom. Nice. Yeah. I guess I, yeah. I guess so. I, I don't. Good, good call. I. I not not only was he dangerous as a scientist, now he's adding magic to the equation. Yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, Dr. Sleepless. Yes? Anybody? Sure, oh, sure, sure. That sure. Work? sure. Um, how about Dr. Savannah from uh, Captain Marvel? He's <laughs> part of the long <laughs> group, yes. Yeah. yeah, but a single single him out. And uh, I don't know, Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> nice. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I was thinking Lex Luthor for one. Um, That's cool. And... Uh, and Reed Richards to, to, to some degree. But, um, yeah, or, or uh, Dr. Radium. Um, Marvel needs more of the high evolutionary, by the way. He's back, baby. <laughs> yeah, he is. he is. Is he? And what, yeah. what time? Oh, yeah. Uncanny. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, why, why is it, David, when you said Dr. Radium, the gizmos of Bula Bula immediately <laughs> popped into my head? <laughs> That's for you, babe. <laughs> Hello, 11 o'clock comics, guys. This is Mike Schwartz, Green Skeleton 2 on the forums. And uh, Vince, I love the sound production that you put into each and every show, especially the ones that accompany the hotline heat. Uh, super especially the uh, super long bringing phone lead in. Uh, can mine be, say, 34 seconds long? Cool. I love that. Read the Muppet Show. It's awesome. Later. Bye. <laughs> Yep. Jason, why do you read the next one? <laughs> All right. Ah, by our buddy, buddy, uh, we wish him well, Matthew Guy. <laughs> Question one. If you could only read five monthly titles, what books would make the cut? And so, uh, why don't we start with Chris? 
Uh, okay, my top five titles. Uh, uh, recounting, uh, Fear Agent, uh, Lock and Key, Captain America, uh, I don't know. Um, oh, we'll say Rebels this week. And, um, oh, in a perfect world if Queen and Country came out every month. That's like that right off the top of my head to, to say mm-hmm. here. Here's my five favorite titles. That 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 would if you ask me in ten minutes, that answer will change. So sure, too many good comics. Nice, the boys, proof, Godland, which isn't really monthly, so that's mm-hmm. kind of cheating. So I'll say uh, I'll I'll take Godland off that and put Fables. Mm-hmm. That's three. Um, I would say, jeez, uh, this is really tough. Let's go with Amazing Spider-Man and action. Ooh, How's right. that? David? Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Green Lantern, Green Lantern Core, Mysterious the Unfathomable, and... You're cheating with the miniseries. No, because they're hoping uh, to do the Hellboy route and do groups of miniseries. So if I'll, I'll take whatever oh, okay. I can get from them. Um okay. I want Mysterious the Unfathomable Bull to go on. <laughs> me, me too. Um, crap, why am I... Uh, you see, it's tough. It really it's is. really hard. It really is. Um, wow. It's sad uh, to think of a Captain, Captain Brennan, MI-13. There you go. Nice. Respect it. Respect it. Those are my five. Uh, for me, it would be uh, Fables, Walking Dead, uh, New Avengers, just because I can't not read an Avengers book, so if I had to only read five, I'd still and you get Wolverine. So. Yes, no, no, I heard Deadpool's I, I, joining. You, I actually still Avengers. like Bendis. I like what Bendis does. Uh, <laughs> uncanny, you're, all, you're uh, almost you're almost there. You're almost free. uncanny for the same reason. I, I love Uncanny. I still uh, I would read that no matter what. It's kind of like Vince with, with action. Uh, it takes a lot yeah. for me to not like Uncanny. Um, we are creatures and, and, uh, and I'll say Fear Agent, even though it looks like we're not going to be getting any for a while. I keep hope alive. So it's a good Punisher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, question two from Matthew. What Alan Moore work, excluding Watchmen, do you personally enjoy the most? I was I was going to say Captain Britain, but uh, I'll I'll go with Miracle Man. Can I guess? Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, I know. But it, again, it's like trying to determine which perfectly cut gem glitters sure. more than the rest. No, no wrong answer. Uh, yeah, uh, Snakes and Ladders. I think by far that's his best work. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow. I was going to guess Promethea. That would be second Okay. on my right. list. I wasn't too far off. Um, I've been on a real big Alan Moore kick lately, and um, he is so amazing. Um, in the last month, I've read um, uh, both... Uh, uh, the first two volumes of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and what what an amazing work! I went through and, and reread Watchmen before the before the movie, and it's it's every bit as good as as anyone wants to say it is. But um, this last week, I started picking up uh, Tom Strong again, which I had, I had read for a little while and then kind of set it down. And now I'm picking it back up, and something. Uh, just kind of occurred to me last night as I was just reading this really fun, pulpy story that probably more than any other author, Alan Moore is able to shift gears and and shift genres and write any 
you know, any genre or any setting that he wants to put a story in, he's able to do that and do it at a master's level. Uh, there are some, there are some, uh, amazing writers out there that write great crime fiction, but they get completely lost in a sci-fi book or a horror book. You know, Alan Moore has done horror and crime and pulp and, He's he's done it all, and he's done it all amazingly. And I was reading Tom Strong, and that is basic, fun, sci-fi pulp story, but it's done about as well as you can do it. And it just uh, I was talking to Sal, and it was he said you know with something I think is very true. Alan Moore never loses sight of the fact that comics are supposed to be entertaining. Good and point. I love them so. Um, I, I I love them all, but today I love Tom Strong because of its its simple brilliance. Nice. Uh, well, for me, it's pretty obvious. Wildcats. I mean, it is really good, though. I <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David touched on it and he passed on it, but it would be my pick, Captain Britain. Um, Alan Davis, baby. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. And again, just to see, I, I agree. Alan Moore's had some amazing works. I wouldn't say that his Captain Britain stuff is. His most profoundly well-written stuff, by nature. but but just as a long-time Marvel guy, and 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 Alan Davis being, if not my all-time favorite, certainly one of my all-time favorite artists to, to have those guys together. I mean, I am waiting with absolute bated breath for this Captain Britain omnibus to get to my doorstep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be my pick. Yeah, there is no wrong answer for that question. Nobody said Lost Girls. Nobody said Swamp Thing. I mean, that's a testament to how good this guy is, right? Before oh yeah. That's a, but anyway, um, they're all high points, really. Yeah. Who's next? You. Me. From Mister Ford, he asks, "What was the first artist to make you buy a book solely for the art?" Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> easy, <laughs> quick, easy, easy, easy. Yeah. It's an easy answer for me, but I don't. I always mess up on the Marvel uh, books that had like premiere or showcase or it, it was the, the warlock stuff from Jim Starlin. Okay. What was, the, what was that? Marvel, Marvel premiere? No, Marvel, I think it was premiere. Marvel saga. No. No, no, it was way before that. Um, um Marvel something. Spotlight. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was the, the first issue I picked up and I, I, I wasn't in the habit of reading the books at the newsstand or, so I was flipping through it and I, I took a look and, Starlin stuff, just wow! The it was the one with the clown. Yeah, it was Marvel Premiere was his first appearance. Okay, so it's Marvel Premiere then. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Jim Starlin, Kablooey, my 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 brains were leaking out of my ears, and I was like, <laughs> "Good God, this guy is sweet." Yeah. Cool, uh, John Byrne, easy. Yeah, that is an easy one. That's yeah. yeah. I, I I never I never would have touched a Fantastic Four book if John Byrne. <laughs> What's it drawn? And then and then you follow him to Alpha Flight and Superman and everything in between and Next Men and I mean just uh, for me I, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards maybe Mike Zek but yeah I mean John, John Byrne's definitely up there. John John Byrne was the first superstar of comics that for for my generation and if you I think if you're about my age it's you, chances are. Um, John Byrne was your favorite artist. Was yeah. your only it's, artist it's, for a while. It's either Byrne or or Perez. But even even with Perez, I wouldn't follow him 
everywhere. I mean, yeah, I read New Teen Titans and Christ on Infinite Earths, but I made sure I got everything that John Byrne did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Byrne was he was the he was the king for a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, Byrne certainly, Alan Davis, Walt Simonson. I mean, those are the guys that when I think back nostalgically, I, I think favorite artists of my favorite time of reading comics. But I, I answered the question a bit differently, which is first artist to make me buy a book solely for the art. And I have to say, I'm not lying when I say Rob Liefeld, because, okay. uh, again, you know, we, we've we talked so many times and it's been beaten over that so many times about image and the rise and fall of image. But the truth is, whether you were a huge image fan or you weren't, uh, a lot of those books were at best poorly written. Some had no decent <laughs> plot. And you think about it, really, Image was a success that it was because of the artists. The artists yeah, got all, the, all those guys, all those guys, all the guys that founded it were artists. Absolutely. No, that's there what I'm saying. No, though, there, were, there were no writers that founded. That's right. Image. That's exactly right. And they tried writing their own books and they didn't do a good job of it. But um, you know, I think I and, and millions of other people went and bought those books because of the artists and the and the pictures. And uh, uh, whether or not you think that they don't age well and that they can't do anatomy, and I'm not going to dispute any of that. But but when I was a teenager and Image got started, man, there was nothing more exciting than. The idea that that uh, you know, I felt Jim Lee and McFarlane were doing their own books, and um, and being an ex guy, you know, I I you know, you know, I love Cable, you know, I love Deadpool. So to me, Liefeld was the bomb, man. He was on Arsenio Hall. He was the shit. So five hundred one blues, uh, baby. That's right, man. So so he. That's my answer because um, although I look back and and love the artists like Byrne and Simonson and Davis and and and, and remember that stuff so fondly. I wasn't reading that stuff at the time thinking who the artist was. I was reading it for the stories. And, wow. and slowly over time, I, I started realizing who the artists were that were illustrating those stories. So, uh, yeah. So, Liefeld gets a shout-out. Yeah, I would, and, and going along the way Jason's thinking of it, I mean, I could add Jim Aparo, Humberto Ramos, Mike Waringo. I mean, there are – it got to a point where there was a time where as – I wasn't so concentrating on the story. I wanted to know who, who the artist was, and I would follow them pretty much everywhere. Check watch. Look at date. See that it's Thursday. Notice that it's not Wednesday. Probably um, the day after re- the recording has happened. Um uh, Remembering that David A. Price said that he wasn't going to, or at least that the entire gang wasn't going to move to Thursday nights, usually. So, expecting them to have recorded last night. Check forums. Leave a voicemail. I see nothing. Repress suicidal urge. Check forums. Leave a voicemail. Okay, we're back. Refreshed. We've got more beer. Let's answer a couple more questions and let's try and bang these babies out. How about that? Nice. I mean, not to slight the the people who went through the trouble of asking the questions, but we don't want this to be a six-hour marathon show. Nobody's going to listen to that. Tiki would have our heads. (laughs) All right, where are we at? Right. Who's asking? What are we doing? Who am I? We are. We're now on uh, backwards. Dave, Evad uh, says I would like an opinion from each of you on the next two questions. 
why we're doing this. Um, what <laughs> is the best thing going on in the comics industry right now? This could be business, art, writing, trend, whatever. Um, Mr. Price. Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> accessibility. Like, things like Twitter. Where, where, I mean, any of us could follow Jason Aaron or, or Andy Diggle or Ellis or anybody and just either throw out questions, maybe get them answered, just finding out, you know, finding out that Brian Reed is, is writing the third issue of Time Storm 2009, 2099, and, and, you know, he's stuck because Wolverine can't get out of a jam or something. Just, just stupid shit about Fraction watching baseball or, uh, or, or his wife talking about their son. You know, just little things like that. I, I kind of like that. It has nothing to do with comics, but it's, it's a neat little thing that the comics creators are using and and we're just kind of watching from the sidelines. I will agree a hundred percent that uh, yeah, accessibility of creators. Sometimes I think it's uh, it's a bad thing. Uh, sometimes I think creators can open themselves up to um, to stuff uh, maybe too much. Um, but uh, from a fan, it's it's definitely cool that uh, that they're so accessible. So I'll agree with David. So uh, Mr. Wood. Well, that would be it, right at the top of my list as well. Just that the uh, again, it gets back to what I said earlier with the industry being full of you know just normal guys and gals, and uh, I think it's one of the reasons it's so much fun to be a fan of this industry. I'd say uh, too, it's it's nice to see, uh, although it's still very much a big two dominated thing. Um, it, it's great to see, in general, you know, comic geekery getting mainstream uh, realization, at least in it, whether it's a passing thing or. Here to stay, I don't know, but you know, it, it warms my heart to see, you know, Watchmen made into a movie and Iron Man and Batman atop the box office, and you know, Batman getting Oscar cred, and um, you know, from what I understand, there's what twenty twenty five comic book related titles in some form of production, you know, at movie studios. That that's fantastic. You know, I love that, and I love, you know, Lost is one of the best shows, and it's written by Brian K. Vaughn and other guys. It's 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 a great time to be a geek. Um, you know, there was a time in the past where, you know, the idea of, of, of a grown man reading comics would have been scoffed at, and, and, and I don't think that's the case anymore for a lot of people. That's that's badass. So, Cool. Vince? I don't know if it's the best thing, but it's one of the things that I like right now. I think it's a beautiful thing that companies like Boom realize that they have to refresh the pool of customers with younger readers, and they're specifically targeting them with a line of comics with the Pixar stuff and the Muppet Show, and that they're going, in addition to the direct market, they're going outside of the established markets to kind of invigorate this pool of readers. That's a good thing. And I, and I also uh, really appreciate that licensed characters are good again. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Hello, boys. This is Frankie, the Dildinator. First time call, long-time listener. I want to say thanks for 52 great and superb shows, and here's to 52 more excellent shows. Uh, thanks for entertain, entertaining me for this entire year, and thanks for helping me through a lot of bad days that this show helped me get through, so thanks for that. also want to thank you guys for the forum and everybody on the forum. Thank you. The forum is sometimes just as entertaining as the show with all the craziness and the booby threads, so thanks for that. Before I go, before I hang up, if you don't mind, I hope you don't mind because I'm going to say it anyway. I'd like to bring to people's attention a comic I read recently. Uh, it's from Top Shelf. 
created by Robert Gooden. It came out in 2008, I believe. It's called The Man Who Loved Breasts. The title story of this book is just what it says. It's about a guy who really likes that part of the female anatomy. He likes it so much that he decides to quit his 9 to 5 and go into custom bra making, where he will get to see all the boobies he wants. And there is boobies all over this book. The art is cartoony, so you can't really get off on it. Okay, I got off on it, but I have issues. That story is followed by a story called George Alavatia, Amputee Fetishes. It's about a man who goes into a reproductive clinic for semen analysis and tries to find a discreet way to ask for porn more to his taste. I'll leave it like I'll leave it at that. Put it together, people. And the book concludes with a story called A 21st Century Cartoonist and King Arthur's Court, which is a spoof off of Mark Twain's novel, A Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, showing how useless most would be in that era. I know I, I would. I don't know how to make a cow, so. The whole book is humorous and it's quirky, and it's kind of a one-note, but it's a good one note, so give it a try. It's 32 pages. It's black and white. It goes for $4. I got it off of in-stock trades for like $2. So check it out. Okay, I've taken too much of your time. So I'm out. I love you guys. Peace. Beware the Dildinator. All right, second question. <laughs> what is the worst thing going on in the comic industry right uh, now? Again, this could be anything. Uh, I know you don't really like to get into negatives, but uh, uh, the two go hand in hand, don't they? Yes, they um, do. Uh, I'll start off and uh, kind of counter Wood a little bit. I agree, uh, it's great to have more mainstream acceptance, especially with you know Hollywood and being able to see uh, these characters that we've loved our entire lives come to the big screen in ways that I never thought they would be able to. Just a you know, Fantastic Four two was maybe not the best movie, but mm-hmm. to see Silver Surfer on the screen like that was amazing. Um, but I think that Hollywood has kind of had positive effect financially on comics, but maybe a negative effect in that um, comics have, in the eyes of a lot of people, um, become a midpoint as you know uh, on the way to Hollywood, as opposed to um, the end goal of of being an art form. And I think you see that. And uh, I was talking to Hillary Barta tonight uh, at the he was at the comic shop. We were talking about Alan Moore um, stuff and and how it uh, translates to film or doesn't translate to film. And Alan Moore's never made any you know. Uh, two bones about it that he creates for comics and I think a lot of people are making comics so they can get them adapted to film and I think that's a bad trend so that's mine that is a good one I, I think well, I'm kind of agreeing there yeah it's sort of two sides of the same coin Chris right because yeah. I don't disagree with what you said yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I love the mainstream acceptance but um, I hate that um, sometimes comics are kind of um, pushed off to the side um you know, like culturally more accepted, but the art form I think has taken a backseat sometimes. I would have to say because of the rising production costs, and in turn the rising cover prices for comics, I think mm. the no, I think the no, medium no, no, no. I'm, I'm, is yeah, I, th- I think the medium is 
shying away from what was traditionally the target audience and is now becoming a rich boy's hobby or rich girl's hobby, hopefully, uh, and to you know spiral out of what Walt Simonson said in that interview that David posted on our forum. These things are supposed to be pop culture, and you can't be part of popular culture if you're pricing yourself away from the majority of the buyers mm. or the potential buyers. So that kind of gets me down a little bit about comics, and in turn, the way certain fans and creators will elevate the medium beyond what it is. Again, they try and make it into high art. Again, I'm not one to plug things into high, medium, or low art or lowbrow art. It's all art and it's all good, but there are there's a contingent within the hobby that try and push these things beyond a level where they should be. It's all entertainment where they're trying to make this kind of hoity-toity kind of thing about it, and it's just entertainment. It's all just entertainment. So... I don't know. There's the two things that really bug me. I just, I love everything about comics, even though they cost a friggin' fortune. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a medium that was designed for the masses, and that masses was primarily children. And I would love to get back to that. I would love to be on a bus and see a kid or a bunch of kids reading comics, and I, I would love it for parents to not think twice about dropping whatever it costs cover price for their their children and have these these children grow up into comic fans that would be awesome but uh, it's not happening anymore and it's more a problem with me than it is with the industry i guess because you can't stop that but whatever i kind of agree i you know comics definitely are uh um you know a, a working class entertainment medium yeah, I definitely agree with that, and I love that about it. But uh, I'm also 36 years old and very selfish about my comics, so I'm I'm glad that uh, that there are comics that are written for me. It's uh, um, yeah, I'd love to see more kids comics out there. I think there are some good kids comics out there, but yeah. I'm very selfish, and I'm glad that the majority of the comics that are being produced today are being aimed at me it's not good for the industry it's good for me but i'm a very selfish reader so yeah isn't it ironic though that what you call the working class every man kind of medium is also the most versatile mm -hmm. medium out there you can do things in comics that cannot be done in any other medium yep mm -hmm. all right let's move on Next. salubri or salubri asks oh it's a good one <laughs> spaghetti. <laughs> the spaghetti. Why? Why? Why is there so much hate for Secret Wars two and the Beyonder? Bad. Wait, <laughs> and the Beyonder. When I started reading comics, the last issue blew me away. Oh, little baby! As I listen to podcast, I discover wave after wave of hate on Secret Wars two, and I've never really gotten a good understanding of why that is, other than it isn't Secret Wars 1, or that the Beyonders clothes were stupid. Honestly, I thought all the clothes were stupid in the comic, but I didn't care. He does have a point with that last one. Because out of all of the multitude of crossovers, there was probably one or two issues out of the, God, I don't know how many Secret Wars 2 tie-ins they were, yeah, yeah. but there were only one or two issues that um, 
were really good. So I think a lot of the hate is that it was, to my recollection, the first mega crossover event where if you wanted to read all of Secret Wars 2, you had to buy three issues of this and four issues of that and the whole main series. And it was the first one, to my recollection, that had you running and and picking up all the titles and that started it was a wave of of bad comics and you know it was notorious for you know this issue of power man and iron fist is a secret wars 2 crossover and like the beyonder would show up for like one goddamn frame and be gone it's like red skies it was it it was terrible there this is this is courtesy. Oh, he's got to bring it back of Steve Raker. Well, hey, hey, you can't you can't just leave one out the other. Mr. Mavadoist, uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is this is courtesy of Steve Raker. <laughs> um, regarding Secret Wars two, going back to when it was published, it arrived six months after the first Secret Wars ended. Uh, you went from Mike Zek and John Beatty to Al Milgram and Steve Lealoa. It was like like Chris said with all the crossovers and Beyonder popping up in just one place, whereas Secret Wars was all 12 issues, one story, and and that was it. Linear, got everything you wanted right there. Um, one location, too. One location, good guys versus bad guys, no, no, no gray areas about, you know, Molecule Man or Volcano or, or Beyonder and things like that. Um, it uh, it it made its way through just about every book. Sometimes stopping by twice, and if you were Spider Man and had three titles, he was probably going to show up once in in all of them. But he was he was in Fantastic Four, I think, at least twice. Um, yeah, he was in Thor. I mean, he was every Avengers. Forget about it. So um, there's that, and uh, and and it was at a time. Uh, this is probably personal. It was at a time of some of our favorite creators on books like Burn on FF, Simonson on Thor. So it kind of was a little jarring to just interrupt whatever story they were telling at the time to throw this crossover in there. Oh, you know, you know speaking of Secret Wars, you're, you were talking about no black, you know, it was all black and white, good guys, but bad guys. But I remember very distinctly that that was the first time that they really started to blur the lines on Magneto because he showed up with all the good guys. It's like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is Magneto yeah. doing here? And I, I, I love that. Still love it. <laughs> the fuck is, and you had, and you had Spider-Man yeah. versus X-Men until uh, oh. Professor X fucking mind wiped him, the little bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I can see Chris walking up to the the newsstand guy, plunking it down on the on the counter. What the fuck is Magneto doing? <laughs> no, no, that was like that, no, that was like Hulk. He was like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" And it was it, that wasn't the actual dialogue. It was, but uh, it would have been cool if it was. Yeah, though. yeah, it's uh, no, it was. I, I love that. But that was the, really the first time that they started to blur the lines on Magneto that he was a bad guy, but he was maybe not evil. And yeah, which was right. which is cool. That comic does not hold up very well, and and shame on Marvel for um, making that Secret Wars omnibus ninety nine bucks. Fuck them. That pissed me off. That was that was that was seriously. Fuck them for that. That should have been should have been a fifty or seventy five dollar omnibus, and that was a price stab. So um, screw them. That pissed me off. I would have bought it for seventy five bucks for a hundred dollars. They can kiss my fucking left nut. Ooh. Wow. wow. That's you the know, right one save for I, I, the positivity. I, I don't remember too much of Secret Wars 2, which I think says a lot. So I, I don't really have an answer to that. I All I remember was 
Storm with the dumbass mohawk. Oh, hey, yeah. right. Hey, I like the mohawk. But uh, you had Jan- oh, you had you had and, the, and the leather with the. Yeah, I don't. Secret Wars Two is not a high point. I'd like to see her go back to the mohawk. That's whenever the character was interesting. With the bandoliers, the yeah, X on the but, oh, oh, no, man, know. go back to the and yeah, the vest and yeah, yeah, the weather vest and the mohawk. That's when Storm was interesting. Uh, you know, the rest of us, yeah, yeah. you know, this African goddess bullshit. No, man, I, I punk Storm. Hell yeah, punk Storm. Yeah, nice. I got not a character I, I like anyway. So she could do whatever she wants. I don't really care. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Leading the Morlocks again. That's when the X Men were good. Oh Lord! I was rooting for Callisto all the way. Yeah, baby. I knew you were. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Pity Pride, good. Marion Caliban. Oh God, that was when X Men were good. God, <laughs> X Men hasn't been good in twenty years. Stop it! Anyway, it hasn't. It hasn't. God, it's it has. what? A, it has. It has. Name one issue. Outside of Morrison, it has. <laughs> name one issue. Outside of Morrison. Uh, all right, are we moving on to the second question? Okay. Did we all, did we all answer name. this one about Secret Wars 2? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Name one issue. <laughs> that part when Kitty was trapped in the house was, with the alien. Was, oh, that was planted. <laughs> name one issue in the last 20 years that's been worth a shit, besides Morrison's run. Oh, stop. Morrison's run was oh, an Uncanny X-Men, can't, can't do it. Can't Are do we it. talking about X-Men or Uncanny X-Men? Because what happened Whatever. to Astonishing all X-Men? Astonishing X-Men with Whedon and Cassidy. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, there's all shit there. Yeah, it was crap. Yeah, I, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just no, named no, that, that's like, that's, no, My wife's going to yell at me for yelling, but no, wow. everyone freaks out. Everyone freaks out because of Astonishing X-Men. They were good. People freak out about it because they were. Isn't that good. what you just like, asked it's, for? It's, you wanted, it's, you wanted it's, good. You wanted yeah, good people action. freak okay. out about it as being so awesome because no, it was just the first good X Men comics in twenty goddamn years. So good enough for David and I to talk six hours on the yeah, fucking no, thing. Yeah, That's the you were, Yeah, but you were on the pipe. Boom goes the dynamite. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I, was, I was on the on the rock. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Vince and everybody else at 11 O'Clock Comics. This is Dave Faust calling from a few hours below the 38th parallel. Just wanted to call and congratulate you guys on 52 episodes, one whole year of 11 O'Clock Comics. I love the show. Look forward to it every Friday. It comes out Friday afternoons usually over here. Anyway, just Wanted to say congratulations and keep it up, guys. Take care. Bye. Why is it I am 22 episodes behind on Around Comics, but up to date on 11 o'clock? <laughs> Tom, Tom is funnier than all three of you. Well, okay, funnier like than falls, two yeah. of you. And a sober... Well, how many people are, are, are on this podcast? Tom is funnier than all three of you. Well, okay, funnier than two of you and a sober Chris. Please explain this paradox to me. I am caught up on Tom versus The Flash, though. We have different focuses here. Obviously, I'll be honest, I don't think there's a guy in this transmission, can we call it, that could ever hold his own with Tom. I don't think there's many people on the planet that could hold their own with Tom. And that's that's a goddamn compliment. I, I respect Tom to no end, but we don't go for the funny or the witty. <laughs> oh, we don't do much of anything here. <laughs> <in the pudding. laughs> but yeah, uh, I think the, the 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 focus of our show is four dudes 
hanging around who love each other talking about comics. And once in a while, the witty and the funny does creep in, but for the most part, we're being real. That is Tom. Tom is real. Tom is funny all the time. Tom is witty all the time. And I would marry him if I was a woman. AC, AC is a different show. And I love, yeah. I love both of the shows for different reasons. And I, 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 you know, people are like, why aren't you more like this on AC? Or why aren't you more like that on 11 o'clock? And they're just different shows for me. And, and I, right. I enjoy them, you know, for different reasons. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I can, I consider us, you know, sister shows. I mean, we're, we're all in mm-hmm. the family. So it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's fun. But, uh, and let's not slight brother Sal. Because Brother Sal brings a lot to the table. Hey man, it's um, he's he's my partner on AC. It, it that show would not exist without Sal. So and uh, he's one of the smartest comic fans uh, I know. It's I would put I would put Sal's um, love of comics and debating ability. I would put him in the ring uh, against any any comic book fan to debate a topic and and be thoughtful and logical about it there's there's no better than sal and tom tom's his ability to observe and pick out nuances is pretty pretty fucking amazing everyone says tom is funny tom is funny but he's one of the smartest comic book fans i've ever met in his ability to um to kind of sniff things out and and to see see what's you know um beyond uh, what what's on the surface? Time, you know. So I, I love my I love my AC brothers. They're they're great comic book fans and great guys. So why that guy? You stepped funny? in shit. Hmm? Do it. You stepped in shit big time when you found Tom. <laughs> big time. <laughs> it's uh yeah. They're they're both great. They're we I, I lucked out. We all lucked out whenever we found each other. It made for a good show. Just like just like eleven o'clock. I mean, we have a great chemistry here, and I'm I'm the luckiest podcaster in the world because I'm on two shows that have uh, an amazing group of guys that have um, awesome chemistry. So I I tripped into two shows, and it's it's I'm really lucky to be part of both of them. Uh, David, don't forget to read that last part. Thanks, love the show. Dear Lord, Vince can go on about a book he likes, can't he? Yeah. <laughs> I love how he has a little j- jacking off guy. You love the jack off guy. <laughs> the, uh, I, all I have to say about that is art is the key that fires up my motor, baby. When I'm talking about art, nothing nothing lubricates the, the, the brain more than art with me, and that's why I talk so much about it, because I love it. There you go. Yeah, let's move on, moving on. Jason's turn. Okay, so keeping with Chris's favorite line of questioning, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go, this is from Dead Cow Arama. Uh, I'm going to go back to a question I asked last time you guys didn't answer. Alternate pronunciation. Aroma. What's that? <laughs> it's Dead Cow Aroma. Ah, yes, indeed it is. There you go. <laughs> it's All apologies Cow Aroma. <laughs> uh, now you don't have a choice. Uh, question one, if you guys were the Beatles... Who would be which Beatle and why? So oh, Vince, Vince should fuck up the audio, so we still don't answer it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, cl- I mean, I'm clearly Pete Best. So no, um, no. <laughs> get out of here. No, I'll be Ringo. You're Paul. Uh, he married a Bond girl, man, dude. Hey, exactly, exactly. Because well, I'll, I'll, I'll take George then. I'll take yeah. George. Oh no, oh. you can't have George. Oh. No, because you, you two are, are, are John. And, and <laughs> there you go. I think we can move on. I think we all have to agree with that. I, I uh, just play rhythm. You know, I just play rhythm guitar. 
Vanity makes me want to say John, but I am not John. <laughs> anyway. Uh, if any, if anyone, I would be George. Okay. Well, no one right. will take credit for John, so we'll give it to you, Vincent, and, and, uh, and, and Paul is definitely David. Okay, so uh, same, same. I'll go with that. Yeah. Same question as above, except replace the Beatles with Kiss. I'm going to have to abstain on this because. Uh, well, I'll be the Jew. I don't know much about Kiss. No, I am definitely. <laughs> I know you are. They're gonna fight over. <laughs> I am the. Jeez. I am the biggest whore because I used to drive on the Bronx River Road too. All right. Did you hear the story that recently came out about Kiss? I guess they were having a measuring contest backstage during the heyday. Guess who has the biggest um, instrument? Peter Chris. Paul Stanley. No, yeah. no. Ace Freely. Ace Freely. Yep. Ace. All right. Ace I'll, I'll be Ace. And guess who was on the bottom? Shocked me. Not Gene. Gene. No. Paul. Paul. Paul really? Stanley. Well, because he's Why tall. So, yeah, so. It was cold. I don't know. <laughs> he just got yeah, out of the shower. They just got out of the pool. pool. <laughs> Trinkets. Doesn't she know about whoa, trinkets? Whoa, whoa. <sighs> How many people here tonight? <laughs> I can't get my voice that high. I'm sorry. Which one of you would win in a cage match from L. Dave? <laughs> Fucking luchador. Yeah, I'm not a fighter. You're a lover? We actually talked about it. Yeah, we actually wrestle, about is that right? Mm-hmm. Chris used to wrestle, oh, yeah. right? So. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm drunk. We actually, uh, that was on AC this week. Yeah, uh, but there Blue were no Meanie. tights. Yeah, Blue Meanie asked if uh, uh, the podcaster uh, death match. And uh, um, we uh, we decided that uh, um, we would AC would kick 11 o'clock's ass because Vince is a pacifist and... Um, uh, uh, Wood would be off on the side taking side bets and not even fighting. <laughs> and and the, oh, 11, yes. the 11 o'clock version of me would be drunk and passed out, and so which would basically just leave David. So, That's um, hot. And he's too pretty to fight. Yeah. I am, not the hair. So. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on and read the next one, too, from uh, Mr. Chris Chavez, yeah. who we don't see in... We don't see enough I know. Lately. What's up with that? That's bullshit. I know. I it 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 hurts my heart. He says, "Hmm, who would you consider to be the heart of Eleven O'clock Comics?" And oh, this is what I was talking easy. about before. Without question, the heart of this show is, and the heart of bullpen bulletins has always been David. Bullshit. Always. No. No. Without. David. It's got to be David. David is the Dave. Shut up! I'm giving you a compliment here. He is the most caring person about comics I have ever encountered. Nobody loves comics more than David. Nobody loves doing this more than David. I, there's some weeks that I'll come in, even though I, I really enjoy it. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta talk this week. David is always there. He's always been there. It's always been David. It's like Hal. <laughs> the other guy. The other guys are just in stunned silence. That's bullshit. It's not bullshit. Yeah, I would, in, my, I, in my mind, you're the heart, buddy. Yeah, and Vince is definitely the cock and balls. <laughs> you <laughs> betcha. <laughs> He's the I'm the master shake. Nice. When are the eleven o'clock? Oh, when are the eleven o'clock action figures going to be released? And what alcoholic drink will each of them be holding? Vince with the black wow. and tan. Well, you know, I would like mine to be holding absinthe, mm. but I just Dave. don't. I, yeah, I just don't know where to get it. That'll be the European variant. What yep. Woods would be hold, Wood would be holding the uh, the Dom and a two liter bottle of Orange Crush. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> All right. We're going to mix this shit up, yes. boys. Uh, yeah, BB. As long as I'm yeah, not I'd holding have, Manischewitz. I'd have a bottle of beam. Cool. Yeah, you would. I don't think those action figures would ever be released. No. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he goes on to say some very nice things about us, and I will return some and say, Chris, get your ass back on the forums on a regular basis, because we miss you. For yeah. real. I love Chris. Mr. Who wants to read Mr. Mario? That would be nice. Oh, Mario. Oh, grow man. Up. Grow up. Come on. All's fair. <laughs> <laughs> he asked if what's, if we were going to wife swap. Um, if things didn't work out with your wife, which of your co-host wives would you make a play for and why? And uh, if forced to choose between comics and other things you love... Uh, what would you give up uh, for comics? So um, I'll start. I say if things didn't work out with Marta, I would just move in with Vince. Really? Yeah. You know, you'd be doing me a favor. No, I no you, baby. Yeah. You. Oh me? Oh, I thought you'd take my wife off. <laughs> you know, I can't your, get your, rid of her. Your wife has to be a strong, strong woman. Yep. Yeah. She's and despite strong. all of your protestations, she's got to be pretty, pretty good in the sack too, because you're too much of a freak to marry her all these years. If you want to do <laughs> there, I said it. She, she, Everyone, she draws the line at the squid. Oh, I can't Christ. get the squid in there with us. But other than that, you, got, you, got, right. you guys make, you guys make pretty children too. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I will agree with you on that. All right. Um, and how about the next one? If we were forced to choose between comics and other things you love, what would we give comics up for? Uh, just just about anything. <sighs> yeah, I already have. So um, I've had foot to. rub. Yeah. yeah. Foot rub. Um, <laughs> foot rub. I, I, I would have a hard time saying goodbye to comics, but I would definitely give them up for my children. Yeah, a good parking there's spot. No, there's nothing. There's no. There, there's nothing in this world I love more than my children. But other than that, Comics would be a diehard situation for me to give them up. I just love comics. Yeah, I yeah. the fact that I've never really given them up, so I would have to agree with you, Vince. T- right. Yeah. Really, I mean, let me, for any real financial concern, you know, where I had to get rid of, you know, any kind of disposable stuff, yeah, comics would be an easy. It would be, I think it'd be easy for me to give them up. I, I would, you know, go to the library. I'd find ways to read them, but I'd give them up. So I'm, I wouldn't. But but not in the position where I actually had to for above all things. No, there's there's no other right. pop culture, or, you know, books, movies. T- I mean, music. I, nothing compares to comics. Nothing compares to you. Thanks. Next up, Steve Raker. Who's got okay. this? Okay, Steve Raker says or asks. Name a couple of comic book guilty pleasures. Could be a cheesecake artist following a character's adventure to a fault, finding personal enjoyment in a publicly panned book. Or just liking some creator character or book that doesn't fit with your profile or other preferences. Well, let me go first uh, because people are already thinking it. Uh, certainly, <laughs> uh, I can't get enough Wolverine. They could have fucking thirty-seven Wolverine books, and I'll buy them all. Uh, and I also love Deadpool. And uh, I'm actually uh, talk about learning something as you get more ingratiated in the uh, in the culture. I honestly had no idea people had like a hatred for Deadpool. I I always thought he was people liked it because of the Joe Kelly run and stuff. So uh, I, I love the dude. Think he's hilarious. And uh, those would definitely be my two. I would say. I don't have a comics guilty pleasure because you guys know I'll I'll read anything and talk about. It. I mean, I bring Uncle Scrooge Bean World to the table at the same time. I bring Alan Moore and, and Love and Rock. I just buy anything that catches my fancy. For a while, for me, it was uh, it was Punisher, just because it was. 
I knew that there wasn't anything that was going to happen that was going to surprise me. I knew what the outcome was going to be. I knew where it was going. Um, but I just enjoyed it. So, you know, it was one of those things where I read it and I dug it, but it, it wasn't, you know, there was no heavy lifting involved with, with reading a Punisher comic book. With the exception of Microchip, though. That was very surprising. No, I'm talking about in recent years. The 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 Ina oh, stuff. Okay. Mostly. I thought you meant back in the no, day. No, 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 no. Back in the day, it was it was still good. It wasn't a guilty pleasure. It was just good. Still to this day, like Fathom, and I don't care. Nice. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I, nothing I, wrong I, with that at all. I still like Fathom. <laughs> that is very much Can't, guilty pleasure. Cannot wait for that movie. <laughs> yeah. Megan Fox, get her all wet. Submitted for your approval. The portrait of four friends, four comrades, who hoaxed a weekly episodic comic book podcast. But what these four men do not know is they are about to take a part in a journey embarking into the comic book. Their writer, mystery. Their artist, adventure. For you are about to enter another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A dimension of wondrous imagination. Your next stop is 11 O'Clock Comics. A podcast, a comic book that can only be found within the Twilight Zone. Or Grant Morrison's head. Um, next up is Adam Hex, who has this. Mr. Wu. All right, well, let's see here. Uh, Adam says, it's kind of a lengthy question here. It says, I'm 30 years old. Live in a town of about 60,000 people in the middle of Kansas with no LCS. The closest LCS about two hours and three towns away. We don't even have a Borders. The only place to find comics is a small bookstore in the mall that has one spinner rack. My friends and I currently are getting our books through a mail order service, but we just feel like the fan base here would be much larger if there was a shop people could go into and feel comfortable shopping for comics. My wife and I have been kicking around the idea lately of opening an LCS. So finally, my question to you guys is, do you think that the current state of the economy and the seemingly uncertain future of comics, that opening a store would be a good idea. That was kind of a long one, so I'll only ask the one question. Thanks a lot. Who wants to... No. no who's, the, who's the guy to answer it? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I would say, and I'm saying no, too. I agree with you. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very dicey proposition. And I tell you, there's uh, been one store that's opened up in Chicago in the last couple in the last year and a half that mm-hmm. is doing it right and that's challengers comics and uh, uh it's on it's on western avenue if you're in chicago go in there check it out that's how comic shops should be run but dal and patrick are busting their asses off and it's because they love comics if you want a comic book store to work you have to work harder than just about any other retail establishment. And there's, they will, they will be successful. They are successful, but they work harder at it than they would in any other business. So, I mean, you, if you want to open up a comic shop, you gotta, you gotta fucking love it and want it. And if you're in the middle of Kansas, I don't know. I, I it's, it's hard enough around a big population base. So, no. I would say the path of least resistance would be to minimize your overhead and go online with an online only comic book company. But even that's difficult because there's you still um, dealing with the one distributor. Yeah. Well, you still deal with the one distributor, but there's one or two comic online comic shops that have pretty much mapped out a success story and it's going to be really hard to compete with that. Oh, and you have to remember it's the key there is again, scale. I mean, the reason that DCBS and mail order comics and mile high, I think, 
uh, presumably are doing well is that uh, you know they by virtue of scale have gotten the maximum diamond discounts for i mean i'm assuming that if uh if adam is seriously thinking about helping an lcs this is not new news to him but um you know diamond for those that don't know that are listening diamond provides a tiering system so the the more you order you hit certain breakpoints the bigger discount they will give you and uh and obviously that's key to the online guys because, you know, a lot of people probably wonder when we talk about DCBS, how can they, you know, give us 40% off every comic? Well, the reason is, is because they – what's that? It's because they're ordering a lot of comics. Yeah, they're ordering so many comics that they're getting the max diamond discount and they're doing enough volume that they can – they feel like they can make that, you know, 5 10% margin per book and still make a decent living because they don't have a lot of overhead. So um, I'm with you guys. I mean, I, you know, opening LCS of any type right now is a difficult thing to justify. Um, I think in certain places like, you know, Tim has uh, – Tim Rackridge has obviously talked a lot about wanting to do one in Boston. I think in a major city, if you really have a niche or a way to differentiate yourself uh, and you're patient and good with math and, 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 and focused – I think you could do it. You know, like you said, Chris, the guy in Chicago at Challengers, you know, he found a place. But, dude, a, a town in Kansas with 60,000 people, I mean, there are maybe three to 400,000 active buyers in the in the direct market right now on a, on a weekly basis, and that's throughout the whole country. So, you know, if you're doing the numbers, you're talking about maybe a customer base of a few hundred people if you get everybody. I just think it's, it's just not smart. Uh, I think we should have David read the next one. Oh, yeah. I love this question, but why, why, why would you say that? <laughs> I've been reading the 90s Green Lantern. I'm around issue 40 now. I was wondering what happened to... Classic. Yes, man, classy all the way. I was wondering what happened to the penciler, M.D. Bright, Mark Bright. I like his work on the book, but don't know anything else he did or does. Oh, my God. Icon, Power Man and Iron Fist, uh, a comic strip uh, that I think kind of was leaning towards uh, a religious theme. Um, he's worked with Priest on on many things. Actually, the the joke is that uh, you want a book to get canceled, put uh, Priest and uh, Mark Bright on it, and we'll see how fast it takes to fail. Um, That's terrible. Yeah, the, the dude's worked at, at Marvel and DC Quantum and Woody. At uh, at acclaim, I mean, he's he's been around for ages. That was your question, buddy. Taylor made. Mister Alec B asks, in your opinion, what is the one band album, band slash album, that you believe everyone needs to experience at least once? Yeah. It's a it, it's an easy question for me to answer, but I think you guys should should take a stab at it. <laughs> I say the monkeys. Hey, hey. Nice. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. I love the monkeys. Oh, gosh. Um, blah, REM's life, Life's Rich Pageant. Dr. Dre, nothing but a G thing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yep. Good good answer. Solid <laughs> answer. I'm kidding. I don't, uh, I'd Gordon say, Lightfoot. Uh, Bob Marley legend. Oh, I, I have respect for you now. As you would say, Respect. respect. Gotta love Bob Marley. I gotta go with Zappa. Everybody should at least experience the way to do it right once in their life. And I am a little bit biased, yeah. But there's nothing like Zappa. Zappa's great. And that includes the Beatles. Really? So okay. That's yeah, yeah. Zappa was the man. Nobody made music as as uh diverse and as uh, affecting as Frank. 
<laughs> Who's going to read New Mutants questions? Well, I think the man who he is in love with should. So, David. Chris? Oh, I was going to say you. I do, too. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. He, 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 he lusts for me. I think he loves David. <laughs> he he would take you to dinner. He would take David home. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Yes. okay. Anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> number one. If there is life after death and an arbitrator, ah, arbitrator judge that you will meet, God, Allah, Alanis Morissette, Morgan Freeman, George Burns, me, etc. What I love would, she, <laughs> would you like to hear? He, she, it, say to you, yes, this is my version of the James Lipton's question on Actor Studio. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Wow. It's all good. Uh, for me, it'd be, yeah, Thanks. don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't hold Thanks it again. for the fish. I, I understand. Uh, <laughs> I would have doubted me, too. <laughs> uh, I, I would like for him, her, it to say, your cycle is over. Welcome home. That's about it. All right. Good. And, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> you sure? I, we shouldn't get into that. We'll be here. Okay. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Jack Kirby. Yeah, I knew that was coming. I, I, I think Mark Twain. Oh, that would be a good wow. one. Wow. This is actually, say, one. I had to write for college back in the day. This is one of my entrance, my admissions essays. Oh, wow. Uh, I forget who I said. <laughs> um, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> Doctor Dre again. No, no, no. Um, da Vinci. Nice. Oh, very nice. That's awesome. Or Tesla, one of the others. So, Mister Da Vinci, what was it like on your planet? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'll take a I'll take a, a page out of uh, Veidt's book and say Alexander the Great. And he goes out of his way to ask three questions when we said it was two. That's, that's why, that's why, that's why I'm not saying it. We can do the uh, second one. Well, yeah, I'll answer him. Boxer briefs. Yes, yeah, I don't like boxers, but I like the, the stretchy yes. boxer briefs. They're awesome. Holy fucking shit. Uh, you guys made it one year. One whole year without missing a beat. There ain't no episode 35 or whatever where Chris is crying or, yeah, none of that shit this week. Uh, congratulations, guys. This is Pat Loika. Uh, I just want to congratulate all four of you for making it a full year doing 11 o'clock comics. Uh, Vince, it was good to hear you experimenting with sound again last week. I hope you do more of that because that's one of the things that I missed from your old show that I will not name. Uh, David, you're my favorite Jew. One of the two openly Jew people that I know. Uh, keep representing for Marvel. <laughs> uh, Chris, I love you, man. You piss me off sometimes, but I love you. And Wood, what's, what's the unsung hero of this group? He's the, he's the group that keeps it together. He's probably the reason why uh, this show made it a full year. So, Wood, I look forward to seeing more of you uh, over the next few uh, months or so with cons and all that stuff. Uh, I hope you guys uh, keep doing the show. It's fun to listen to. And yes, like I mentioned before, Chris, he kind of, he kind of bugs me sometimes because of the you know the stuff he talks about, the stuff that I like. But I understand everyone has their own tastes. Uh, look forward to hearing more of your opinions, uh, more of your thoughts on the industry and 
and just hearing what you guys are digging because you know really I get turned on to uh, reading new stuff thanks to some of the stuff you guys have been recommending like uh, like proof and among many other things so keep up the good work uh, look forward to seeing you guys again hopefully sometime this year hopefully in Chicago in one of the Chicago conventions that uh, that take place uh, like that Windy City Comic Con nonsense that Chris puts together uh, I'm just kidding yeah my Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for the show, and I look forward to uh, hearing more. Congrats again, and uh, here's to one more, maybe two, maybe three years, or 11 more years of 11 o'clock comics. Take it easy, fellas. From Chad, Mr. Grilled Cheese Sandwich. Love it. Uh, I've thought Lard and Hot. Lard and oh Jesus! I've thought long and hard about you for and what questions I was. I don't want to hear long, ooh, hard, and us for in the same sentence at all. Hard about you for. <laughs> yeah. And then I I had to deal with the long hard results of thinking about you for. So it took me a while to actually Sweaty, post. Hot, here goes. Long hard results. Sorry. What is the most difficult thing each of you has had to overcome in your lives and have comics? helped you in this aspect <laughs> spread it around i'll go uh, i can go later <laughs> I, can go later. <laughs> I, I i have been an incredibly lucky person in my life both my parents are still alive uh, i've never had to face a major illness or you know lost a you know a, an incredibly close friend i've had I've had a pretty blessed life so um i i, I my problems are not bad problems. So, but, uh, you know, comics help me get through every day, um, in one way or another. So no, I, I haven't had any, I've been very lucky. I haven't had any traumatic events in my life. Uh, I mean, I too feel very fortunate, uh, for the life I have. So I, I don't, I don't want to come at this from like, Oh, what was me type of thing? Um, Hmm. Um, well, I mean, without getting into the, uh, the gory details, um, I, I don't, by my choosing, have a relationship with my my mother. Uh, I haven't spoken to her since I was sixteen, so you know that was uh, it wasn't too hard on me, I guess. But <laughs> but but it was certainly a, a traumatic thing for for my family, and uh, I think many of them still don't understand uh, my my choice there. So uh, so yeah, I, I'll say that. As to whether comics help me get through it, no, I I don't. I, I guess I at the time I looked at comics as entertainment, so no, I, I don't I don't see it as being correlated. So, Sir David. Um, you know, I hear comics, I think, with great power. But no, I think the only, um, the most difficult thing, yeah, I mean, aside from a family member in the hospital, um, I, like Chris, I've, I've lucked out a lot, but probably in most recent memory, something that I've had to overcome was, uh, was, was, was the loss of two pets. Yeah. Yeah, I know I've talked about it before. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, uh, 10 years back, I had the cancer. Mm -hmm. And and, um, it was not necessarily, and you may scoff at this, but not necessarily a tough time for me because I had no um, other thought than I would get through it. There was never a question that it would get me. I I, uh, pretty much resolved myself to the fact that I would beat it. And I did. Was comics a part of that? I would have to say yeah to a certain extent because even today, Wednesday is the highlight of my week. And when your whole week is filled with not feeling all that great, 
uh, yeah, I guess anything would brighten up the week. But uh, as I do today, I look forward to the the books um, coming out on Wednesday. It was it was a major part of my week, and it still is. So, um, yeah. And Chris, you could tell your buddy Sal, who is constantly amazed at the fact, as he calls me, I'm a nice guy. I'm too nice. <laughs> Before I I got sick, I was a complete and utter bastard. Really. My wife will back me up on this. I was the, I'm Sicilian. I was the meanest, orneriest, most fly off the handle uh, really? guy. That is yes. fascinating to me. I would, I, I, that's amazing. I had a temper like you would not believe. I was very superficial. I didn't put in any, in, really? in stock in anything that, that I couldn't experience right now. I was impatient. I, I had character flaws. <laughs> and, uh, Having the, 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 the cancer showed me that what's important is what's going on right now at this very moment, and my disposition completely changed after that. I hold dear pretty much everything now, it, whereas in the past I would never stop to experience anything. I wouldn't pause enough to, to take notice of like what kind of day it is or, or what I like, and you know uh, I would bitch at uh, people around me just because they slightly aggravated me. But now I, I have a complete and total different outlook on life. And that did it. So you could tell Sal there is a reason. <laughs> I, I, wasn't not, I wasn't born nice. <laughs> and I'm not really that now, but, yeah, I, I am much more tolerant of everything. So, yeah, there we go. Hey, upbeat, yeah. All right, let's move on to number two. <laughs> Who's reading this shit? Wait, Dude, you read, you read the first one. Oh, buddy. Oh, that's right. See, I got all yes. caught up. Number two, we all know you gentlemen like the alcohol. But <laughs> regional cuisine aside, what is the one dish meal tasting course you would choose as your last? Ooh. This is extremely easy for me to answer, yeah. so I'm just going to run with it. If there is such a thing as Nirvana, my grandma's spaghetti sauce oh. was Nirvana. <laughs> we, I come from an, obviously an Italian family. Really? Every Sunday, without question, we would go to my grandmother's house, and she would make spaghetti. And let me tell you, this woman cooked this sauce for hours. I mean, I, I'm not talking just like open up the can of ragu. Everything was from scratch. She would let it simmer for like eight, ten hours. My grandmother's sauce was by far the most delicious sauce I have ever tasted. My mother couldn't capture it. My wife sure as shit couldn't <laughs> capture it. And my, 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 <laughs> my grandmother died. Uh, sorry, my wife. My grandmother died in, say, 80, 85 or 86. And it, it is the thing that I wish most in my life that I could taste my grandmother's sauce again. Wow, that's great! There you go. See, and and that smell that 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 wash through the whole house. I mean, my, oh my, my god! My, my grandmother's maiden name is Tomasetti. She like 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 Vince's grandmother. Everything. I mean, I eat even the pasta, but the sauce, just letting it sit in that crock pot for hours. Man, I loved walking into the house and that smell. Just oh, my feet didn't touch the ground. Yeah, and it wasn't just. She would make a meat sauce, so there would be. Sausage, sausage in there, <laughs> meatballs. She would she would put pork chops in it. She would put um, uh, pieces of uh, chuck steak. Oh my god! And she would she would fry the the meat up and make the meatballs by hand. Fry them up, oh, put delicious. them in the sauce, and just let. Oh, the, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. 
Unbelievable. Shit. <laughs> I should have to go and die. I should have bottled this, this stuff like no, made me about no. 10 years. <laughs> it's not about spending more time with Grandma. It's, it's, it, it's it that she, did, it's, she didn't leave uh, you know, a, 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 a vault of fucking spaghetti sauce for Vince. <laughs> it's true. No, yeah. Jason, what, what would you want to eat? Man. Um, besides what's her besides name? the man oh. meat. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> one last meal, boy. Um, JC Lane in her prime. Seriously, oh, no, no, no. Uh, you know what? Uh, the late great Marilyn Chambers. I would say uh, the best meal I ever had was a eight course tasting menu uh, at Mario Botelli's restaurant Babo oh. in New York, wow. and it was during right. truffle season, and it was eight courses all with truffle as an accent or main ingredient and it was pretty much as close to my ever coming to believe that there is a god so um <laughs> i would say I'd, if i was like on death row or something i would love to have that meal given to me i could go out like that yeah not gonna go out like that <laughs> how about that see there you go i'm the accent <laughs> i'm sorry i can't sing no that that, that sounds that sounds amazing i would um Boy, um, uh, Mike Ditka has a restaurant here in Chicago, and they have uh, a ribeye there that's a, a bone-in ribeye that's called the Kick-Ass Paddle Steak, and it is a a huge piece of some of the best cow you will ever, ever, ever eat. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, my uh, yeah, my my. Prison death row meal would be a uh, uh, a Ditka's kick ass paddle steak. Nice. Love love a bone in ribeye steak, and uh, that's one of the one of the best I've ever had. The, the, Making my mouth yeah, water. Yeah, <laughs> really? the, the, the coach the coach can make a good steak. So, hey boys, this is Andy Jewett. Uh, just wanted to call and tell you congratulations on making it a year. Uh, thanks so much for all the entertainment you guys provide and uh, the information you guys give. Just hope that you have lots more episodes in in your future, and I'll keep listening. Yay, comics. Later. Bye. Well, you know, I hate to do this, but we're three hours. Yep. And I, and I think, and I I'm think not gonna that's get more to than see. enough. <laughs> <laughs> because David, was your an, was your answer your grandma sauce? No, I was just talking Didn't about my grandmother's sauce. But no, that that that's oh no, no go okay. then. Hey, God, just come on, do Either it. You're, well, um, surf and turf from Ruth's Chris, mm. and for dessert, uh, my grandmother's chocolate pie. Oh, she makes that's the graham thing. cracker crust. What, by, what is it about by, Italian? By yeah. Well, no, this. The, this grandmother's my, my my father's mother, so so this is the oh, Jewish okay. grandmother, but she makes the graham cracker crust by hand, and 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 the the chocolate, and oh man, it's it's a shame she lives in Florida. I swear, it, I just but yeah, that that chocolate pie. But no, I mean my on my mother's side with with my my mom's my grandmother's cookbook. Forget yeah, no, I'd I'd be eating well forever. <laughs> well, what is it about grandmas and good food? I don't know. Yeah. But like I said, we're pushing three hours now. What we're going to do is, for the remaining questions, we're going to take one a week 
until we exhaust them all. I think that's fair, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We could do even yeah. more than one if we have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Even even if it's like five, ten minutes on a question, you guys deserve it because you went through the trouble of actually going through the motions and, and asking the question. So, hey, we're obligated to answer them, I feel. Yeah, the- so uh, thank you very much for being with us again. And, uh, guys, it's been an extreme pleasure to do this with you for a year. Oh. And I'm looking forward to the next doing it again for the next ten, if, if we're so lucky to be able to do it for ten more years. I, I look forward every every Wednesday is, is something I look forward to for comics and, and then talking with you guys. Yeah. It has been a blast. Absolute treat. It uh can't believe it's been a year already. It's hard to believe. Yeah, but, yeah. Tom Tom feels like it's been more, but <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I don't know how to take that. I don't know if that's a good thing, like Jesus Christ, it, it's only been a year or wow, time that's, flies. That's the beauty of Tom. You don't know. know. You just yeah. don't know. And I I, yeah. I wanna thank everyone that's a part of the community and the, the people that call into the show because they've really added to to the personality of the show. It's not just the four of us. We've got Hell all yeah. the, the crazy fucking tin hat wearing wackos out there that listen to this. And uh, um, <laughs> I do tend to track that kind of people. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you do. You like like Moz do a fucking flame these people. It's it's the head fucking lunatic over here. It's uh, um, but no, they uh, no, you guys are you guys are awesome. It's uh, I. I you actually forced me to listen to the show because I, I usually don't like to listen to a podcast that I've been on. I, I don't listen to that many of the, you know, I, I won't re-listen to AC episodes, but because, you know, Daryl and Templar and, you know, all the other wackos, I have to listen because of the awesome voicemails. And whoever it is that's doing the Oprah message, would you please tell me who it is? I won't announce it on the show. I won't say it on the forum, but I need to know who's doing it. I think it's Braxton. <laughs> but I'm not sure. So I, I got to know. Uh, so, yeah, love everybody here. Love everybody on the forum. Thank you for being with us. Right, guys? Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. For being here. And uh, in your travels, why don't you read Charlatan Ball? Oh, you're yeah. going to pop something on me here. Um, oh, I picked it up today. been putting it off. Um, uh, Miss Marvel. <laughs> just, just in time for just, 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 just. How Are they, are they you, canceling you, that? You, you picked it up for the eulogy? No, I'll uh, wait. No, I'll, they just replaced the main character. I'll wait until what you read fuck? it. What? That's not. That's not Carol, dude. They're killing Carol. What do you mean killing? They, killing? No, they, they killed. They killed the. That's uh, my friend. She, she, she died. Wait, what is she? What number is this? Is this like thirty-three or something or thirty-six? Oh. Fuck, never mind. Don't read that rag, Ben. Uh, I love it. Uh, ah, <laughs> uh, shit. I read Rex Mundy. There you go. We, we threw wow. him off with that one. I was, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't say Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk. Oh, fuck that. Um, I say... I was going to say Irredeemable, but i got to reread that. Um, read Time Storm, 2009-2099. You know, I was all over that when they announced it, but it's a three ninety nine miniseries. Tie-in. Wait, does it? Yeah, but there's 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 tie-ins announced really? for it. Yeah, yep. Uh, I think there was two of them. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, so I ooh, ooh! I, just, I got one. I, sorry, I got one. Uh, the Mighty. Um, oh, Chris number five. Yes. Yeah, yep. Chris Somni has taken over art duties on the Mighty. So, so, and he told me that 
um, it's the best stuff that he's ever done. He's really proud of it. So, so catch up on the mighty. I picked up the first uh, what three issues today. And and Tomasi's writing that. Yeah, Tomasi's writing. All right. Uh, read, read Uncanny X Men because don't been good stuff for the last twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> Name name one issue. Okay, name one, one issue. issue. One issue. <laughs> name name one. Life death. Life death two. Uh, one. One issue. Uh, and uh, and read Umbrella Academy Dallas because it's going to be solicited right. for trade soon. I'm sure if you haven't been. Yes. Yeah. I would retweet that comment. It was so good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it would be an I'd RT in front of that. RT baby. <laughs> RT Wood on that Umbrella Academy comment. And a dollar sign at the end. Oh, oh, rocket heat. Rocket sandals. How we do? Rocket sandals. Bye, people. Thank you. Hasta luego. Bye.